Hello, everybody. I am Joshua. And I am Jamie. And we're going to do, do Daredevil. Daredevil. doing our first remote recording everyone hello how are you all how, merry christmas this is going out on christmas day wow merry christmas Jamie. merry christmas happy holidays and um uh what was this what was kicking the, kwanzaa uh, yeah what was the the one on seinfeld it was a uh, festivus uh, i don't know i've never I... actually seen seinfeld oh jamie <laughs> Jamie, come on, dude. Yeah, sorry about that, everyone. You can literally turn on the TV to any station and it'll be on. Yeah. <laughs> any station you can watch. I think it, I think it's Festivus is what they celebrate. I, I think you're right, yeah. I was, once, uh, I was once told I looked like Wayne Knight, which upset me because I don't really think you should. Uh... You don't, what? <laughs> you don't look like Wayne Knight, no. Yeah, no, no, no offense, Mr. Knight. I know Mr. Knight is a huge fan of the show, but um. <laughs> yeah, he, he tuns in every week. He always <laughs> listens. He's our biggest supporter. Biggest so. supporter, yeah, number one fan, Wayne Knight. I wonder how he's doing on getting us that cover that uh, that Hulk. He's working it? on uh, it. Is, is he, yeah, <laughs> he told me Hulk uh, issue one sixty three, wasn't it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, one sixty three. Yeah, any day now. <laughs> Chris, come on, Wayne. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, uh, so um, we are going to only cover a couple of issues and um, of Daredevil's regular series, and we're going to cover a whole bunch of amazing Spider-Mans, Spider-Mens that he appears in. Um, he appears in three of them, I think, two or three of them. Well, I think in the first issue, it's it's like an image of him, too. Yeah, and then there's so. maybe a phone call, maybe he's a voice yeah. on a phone or something like that. Um, I did a couple of things. One, um, I said that uh, uh, Lewis Williams Williamson Williams son, son, was uh, was only for those first few issues, but he actually does a few more after. So I, I, I sold him short. We do get a bit more of uh, Lewis's work coming up. Very good. Yeah. Good. And uh, I feel like uh, uh, listeners have been um, sending us messages about stuff that we slipped up on. So if you have any corrections or anything that you can remember yeah let us know for sure because <laughs> we're quite we, we've gotten quite slack with all of this to be perfectly honest yeah. well, we like to read the issues we like to talk about them and we like to yeah. make up stuff as we go so yeah exactly we're, we this. are completely making this up as we go along. yeah we used to try and we do research read an issue of daredevil so. I, do, I just look at the covers you get so much from those yeah, covers. We, we try to tell a story based off of what the cover looks like <laughs> Sometimes you do okay. Sometimes, or more more than likely, we don't. Yeah, okay. and the the modern books they tend to drift away. The old ones you could get an idea of what was going on from the cover. You do. Um, so we're in the Anasenti age. Um, we yes. talked about that before. Anasenti didn't really cover much about her. She is a um, she was an editor at uh, Marvel for a long time, and a writer over there. She has created a couple of characters, including Longshot. Um, and uh, she creates a bunch of uh, villains in uh, later in this run, uh, Typhoid Mary, Blackheart, and, and characters like that. Um, 
she edited New Mutants and Uncanny X-Men for a while. She's also a filmmaker and a journalist, a teacher. She does all kinds of stuff. She's still writing. She pops up every now and then. She has a, a little story in the 500th issue of Daredevil. Um, it is a fun little uh, little moment with uh, Bullseye and Daredevil. That's uh, set during any time, basically. Um, and I think she grew up... She was born in Manhattan, I believe. Um, and grew up um, in... Um, her parents weren't really comic book fans, but she would find uh, some around her house, including uh, Pogo um, and uh, Dick Tracy, which she was a big fan oh. of. Yeah, that's big, cool. Big fan of the Dick Tracy villains. Yeah, yeah, and um, I can't remember what her first work was. It was oh, let me see if I can find it quickly. Uh, but 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 she was. Uh, she worked uh, under Danny O'Neill, um, a six-page mythological story drawn by Greg LaRocca in the anthology Bizarre Adventures. And then she started writing Spider-Woman uh, back in 82. Um, she killed off Spider-Woman. And, uh, uh, Did you say she killed her off? Killed her off, yeah, and everyone was very upset oh, wow. about that. Um, and then I think she brought it back. Um, in uh, She was part of the... the consultation team that brought back Spider-Woman. Um, she wrote a few uh, Star Wars, Doctor Strange, Dazzler and the Beast, uh, Beauty and the Beast miniseries, Dazzler and the Beast. Um, and she worked with Arthur Adams on the Longshot miniseries, uh, which introduced that character to the X-Men. And she's known for a very uh, political and socially aware style of writing, which we'll see a lot more of in uh, a couple of issues in uh, this, uh, not the first one we're going to cover, but definitely the second one. Yes. And in a lot more coming up where she covers stuff like um, uh, pollution and global warming, income inequality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, the first issue that we're going to go over today is the holiday Christmas issue. This is the Christmas issue. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. And in terms of um, holiday cheer... Isn't it this a cheery one? one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little cheery, I guess, but... Um, it really I'd is. I'd say it's not super cheery. Yeah. It's not 100% filled with cheer. No. Um, but this is this is Daredevil issue 241, yeah. which on the cover says it came out in April, but whatever that means. Yeah, it came out, in, well, it's cover dated April 1987, but it yeah. is a Christmas issue as a Mike Zek, uh, and it's Klaus Janssen, I think, is the ink. Mike Zek and Klaus Janssen cover Daredevil uh, radar in over the city. We can see, um, is that the Brooklyn Bridge? That's one of the bridges down there, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe a few of the bridges. There's two bridges. There you go. There's several bridges. This issue was um, yes, illustrated by a, a young Todd McFarlane. Yeah, it, I think it might have been. I don't think it was his earliest work. I think his first work for Marvel. He may have worked for DC before this, but his first work for Marvel was a, uh, a Coyote um, uh, backup story. Coyote in 1984. Um, and then he went over to... DC and did uh, Detective Comics, um, the year two storyline, which I, I definitely remember the covers from. Yeah. Um, and then he did a little bit of The Incredible Hulk um, for a year, 87 to 88, with Peter David, uh, which was a great run, really good fun. 
And he, you know, after he did this book, he, he, he pretty much jumped straight onto Spider-Man Yeah, because I, I noticed after reading the, uh, the, the, the amazing Spider-Man story that we're going to cover today, mm-hmm. that doesn't directly lead up to his run, but it's, it's starting to get up there. It's just a few issues away from, uh, when he took over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, he's very, we don't really need to cover too much about Todd McFarlane. He's a very well-known, um, yeah artist and creator he really was part of that um that new wave of marvel artists who kind of took over uh, the reins of the the machine for a while with uh, x-men and spider-man and um, one of the he, i can't remember if he was a he held the record for a little bit or did x-men hold the record before him or but he's in that I think x-men x-men i believe he came out after. You're talking about his his, his Spider Man. What is the issue? He did. He did Spider Man. He did Spider Man two ninety nine, and then he relaunched with issue one. Right? Was that straight oh, up? I can't. I remember. I remember the issues, but I don't remember the number. Okay. I don't know if they relaunched it or not. Okay. Well, it, I don't think it relaunched. I think it spun off to his own yeah. title, which was August nineteen ninety, and it sold two and a half million copies. Wow. Um, Could you imagine if books sold two and a half million copies today? Yeah, I think he's like third place as well. I think um, yeah. issue one of X Men I know is definitely number one when yeah. all those variant covers. What is that we like five or eight? Yeah, there's a lot. We talked about this several podcasts ago. Yeah, yeah. You, you went, you got them all right, Jamie. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is weird because I'm a big, I, I was a big X Men fan, but I started to really drop off at that that time, and I wasn't reading it regularly but see it's it's a gimmick that worked you Mm -hmm. know when when dc did the new 52 um me and my buddy we went out every week you know for the first week and we went out and got almost all the number one issues because you know marvel they like to stop restart stop restart you know Mm -hmm. like daredevil were on what is this volume six volume six yeah Mm -hmm. so they, they like to keep stopping restarting and stuff maybe when they get a new creative team on they're excited about or something some extra buzz to get that issue number one out yeah but dc didn't do that until new 52 you know it was i mean uh, detective um, action comics batman was really high um the numbers were in the 600 700s and they didn't you know they don't do that so the new 52 came out it it was a gimmick in a way um even though it was kind of a reset but it, it restarted 52 series at issue number one and like I went out and bought almost every single one. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I, I I've always read comics, but I was never somebody who went out and had to go get the variant covers or or go buy things just to buy them because I thought that they were going to be worth money. Mm-hmm. So I went out and got it because I, it was cool, it was neat, it was exciting, and I think that's what happened with X Men. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I I know that every issue of Daredevil that comes out at the moment has a variant cover, and I I think I know I, it's. it's yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I don't get them all. I accidentally buy one every now and then if I go into a shop and um, they don't have the original cover left, then I just pick up what's available. So I feel like variant covers are awesome if you're going to display them. Like if you have an artist that you really like or you want to put it up on your wall or something, mm-hmm. that's when variant covers are awesome. Variant covers just for the sake of having a rare copy, it doesn't really do anything for me because nine times out of ten, your comic books end up in a box. Yeah. So if you're a completist or if you want to get the whole set, I understand. But if you have to get all the regular covers and the variant covers, it's like, whew, you know, yeah, impossible for most people. Yeah, yeah, it gets expensive. Some of the variant covers get up into the the high high costs straight away. 
I do have one last thing I'm going to talk about that I promise we're going to get into Daredevil. But I do have, um, I got it for Christmas for my dad. Um, for the new, when I was into the New 52, he went out, in, I believe, on eBay, and he bought me the 1 in 200 variant cover of Justice League 1. Mm. So I do have that. So that's pretty much the only like rare cover of anything that I, I have variant wise, <laughs> but that was special because it was a gift and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, n- n- not so much for me anymore. I'm not going to go out and buy the uh, like one in 25s and that type of thing. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's the same price and I like the cover better, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. If I get in on day one and they haven't jacked the prices up. Yeah. So anyway, so jumping into Daredevil, what this podcast is about, Daredevil yeah. 241. 241. Um, and the Christmas issue. Black Christmas is the title. Todd McFarlane, Al Milgram is inking. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of see little bits of Todd McFarlane coming through every now and then. Yeah, this did, it looked a lot different than what I'm used to seeing with Todd, though, to yeah. be honest with you. He's, uh, his figure he's stuff. developing his style, for yeah. sure. Yeah, the the first time we see Daredevil, it looks very Todd McFarlane. He's uh, I know it, it is such a cool look, Jamie. I like it. You know, you got Daredevil in a trench coat. Yeah, he's got a top hat on. Yeah, and he just he just opens it's up awesome, the trench coat right? to show off his uh, DD symbol. He's uh, yeah, they, he's he's there's it's Christmas and it's Hell's Kitchen and people are shopping. Some people look happy. Some people look miserable. Santa's there, yo ho ho in and getting some but, uh, cash but it's not money. Action. It's not actually Santa, though, Jamie. No, it's, it's not, not Santa. Santa. Did you catch it's, up on that? Yeah, it's it's no, four it's not, kids, it's four kids boys. in a suit. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 some fat boys that we've yeah. talked about in the past. The fat boys dressed up as Santa because they have a little little scheme going on where they're collecting money and they're going to keep the money. Uh, at one point, one of them says because they want to buy drugs. Yeah, but that's the reason why Daredevil shows up in his trench coat and his hat. He shows up because he wants to break up the fat boy party and let them know, hey, this is not something you do on Christmas or any time. Yeah. But you know, this is wrong. You need to take this money and you need to go give it to a charity. Yeah. So they walk over and they find a nun uh, collecting money. They pour all of the money in there. She's she God blesses them and and sends them on their way while thinking uh, that she's just rented the nun costume and is actually pulling her own scam. It's a nice little touch from... I thought that was perfect. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. And, and Daredevil didn't pick up on it, which is, which is what's even cooler because the last panel where we see the nun, that's where she's thinking about how, ooh, awesome, now the... Now the, the nun costume is paid for. Everything else is extra for me now. Yeah, everything else Daredevil's, from here on is pure profit. Right, and Daredevil's walking away with the kids and he's got his arms around them. And uh, it's like, oh, you guys did such a good job. <laughs> yeah. <It's> funny. <laughs> uh, one of the fat boys mentions that he, the only good thing about Christmas is that his dad passes out drunk earlier. Um, <laughs> I think he's the same kid who later on says, oh, my dad passed out drunk, so we didn't get any presents. Yes. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we cut over to, uh, it's Christmas morning, and um, uh, Matt wakes up from a bad dream. Uh, nightmare and uh, kind of chuckles about how it's great that a man without fear gets scared of nightmares. Uh, Karen's there, wakes him up, gives him a kiss and uh, says it hasn't snowed yet. And she says, Oh, I hate black Christmases. And and Matt makes a quick joke about him too. And uh, then they get back into bed and start making out start smacking lips. And Um, then on 42nd Street in a hotel room, we get uh, introduced to the trickster. Yeah, the trickster with an X is a new character. This is his his first appearance. 
Um, he is a goodness knows what he is. I mean, as the story goes on, we kind of learn that he was a stunt man that was kind of known uh, makeup artist. He's a, he's got a little bit of uh, a few different characters in there. He's kind of but it's it's kind of confusing because you know like he'll take off a mask and then from one panel he'll like wipe his face and he'll have like a, a different mask on or yeah. I'm not sure. Now it, a lot of the time he's depicted with. Um, um, horns on his head, yeah, and and uh, big, you know, long pointy elf ears, and kind of demon eyes a little bit. So yeah. is that how he normally looks? I don't think so. I can't really tell. I, it kind of keeps saying that he's the, the his entire thing is yeah. that he is a master of disguise, and he's saying that the only thing that he's really hiding from when he disguises himself is himself and he's got this uh this ongoing battle inside himself where he just hates himself and doesn't know who the real him is and he sees himself right. he, he kind of sees the parallel of uh someone that goes out and does things that are exhilarating for attention in daredevil he sees himself as a variation of that and he starts yeah. to see daredevil as an angel in a devil costume so he's going to be the devil in an angel costume as so his, right. his decision is to try and uh, question what daredevil's motives are basically and and he wants to actually go to daredevil and he wants to he at one point he says i want to look into daredevil's heart to see if i can find what makes somebody a hero and what yeah. makes somebody else a fool mm-hmm. so you 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 really hit it right on, Jamie. He's trying to figure out like what makes Daredevil click, and to realize if if he is also somebody like Daredevil. Yeah. If he is the opposite in a costume yeah. because he doesn't know his identity anymore. Yeah. So we uh, he goes over to uh, Gippo's costumes. Yeah. And uh, decides he's going to get a costume. He's looking for a Daredevil costume. Uh, he wants right. to dress up as Daredevil and match him. Um, but the the store owner sort of says, uh, I don't carry street vigilante costumes, which is funny because he has a Spider-Man and a Hulk costume. Um, but they're not street vigilantes, apparently. They're just straight out crooks at this stage, I believe. Um, yeah. And he says, uh, he says that guy is just violent on TV and starts talking about how everything Daredevil does, he sells with his fists, which kind of gets the trickster's attention because he starts thinking, well, you know, if he's such an angel and doing such things for good, why is he so violent? I'm going to test to see if he can do something that isn't violent, and if he can, if he actually actually is the good guy. Again, he's just constantly thinking about how he's going to get Daredevil's attention to try and test him. And what he decides he's going to do is he goes to Rockefeller Center and he's deciding that he's going to walk a tightrope across uh, the Rockefeller yeah. Center. And we and we've got a fun little scene here. Well, while he's up at the top. Um, at, right at the top, on, on top of the actual tightrope, people down below that are looking up at him, almost in amazement, but excited to be there for the show. Yeah. So everyone is like, oh, this is cool. I wonder if he's going to fall and die. No, he wouldn't do it. It's all a stunt. It's all a gimmick. But you, a lot of people are interested in it, and they're and they're looking up at him and, and uh, all very excited. And you've got two cops, two police officers. And they're wondering, you know, what should we do? Like, should we arrest him? Well, it's Christmas. You know, if we go up there, we're going to look like you know, we're taking away all the public's fun because they're out there having a good time watching him. Yeah. So they don't really know what to do. And then thankfully Daredevil shows up. Yeah. And when Daredevil shows up, the cops are like, oh, great. You know, you, you handle it, Daredevil. You know, you, you do whatever you need to do. Yeah. But then when Daredevil decides to go up there, the police officers are like, well, hold on a second. 
Now, if we just send out Daredevil, is that okay if Daredevil goes up there? Should we arrest Daredevil? Like, yeah. is that something that we should do? Oh, no, it's Christmas. Let's not do that. Yeah, so man. they're kind of seen as a little clueless, but I don't know. It's just a funny little uh, scene between everybody. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I guess this happens a lot in the Marvel Universe. You have the police are frozen into inaction because they think, well, if we do anything, it could escalate beyond our control. We don't know anything about this guy, but if we don't do anything... We could lose our jobs if this guy is actually just a human and he falls and he dies and we didn't do anything about it. And then, you know, like you said, they're, they're so grateful that uh, superhero Jamie, turns if, up. If you, were, if you were a superhero and you were out fighting crime, um, you, no, sorry, let me, that's not what I meant. If you, if you were a police officer and, and you were out fighting crime and then a superhero swings in to save the day, would that hurt your feelings at all? No, I'd be quite no. happy. I would be so happy too. Yeah. Every time they show up to do the dirty work, I'd be like, "Awesome." Yeah, Go I'm on. It. I'm on Officer Joe's side. Who just yeah. he, he basically says, "Daredevil, hey, okay, do what you can." And the other guy, uh, Officer Mike, says, uh, "Hey, that's our job." Did he go to police academy? Did he slave away to graduate and get licensed? No. I mean, what are we chumps? You guys think <laughs> you're super cops? Well, you ain't even cops. And Daredevil just says, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> and uh, then uh, Officer Joe, don't listen to Mike. He's just jealous of you. Hey, that guy up there is a devil, is like a daredevil too. You ever pull stunt like that? That's a daredevil's idea of fun, right? Risking death and all that. Now, this is funny because he did pull a stunt like this way back, way, way, way back where he had to. Oh, yes. In like he, the, wanted to, he wanted to uh, impress people again because people thought he was a phony. Yeah, there was two, there was two times. He, he, one where he where, um uh, Nighthawk, he, he he was no yeah was it Nighthawk where people thought he was a coward so he had to prove mm-hmm. that he wasn't and the other one was when he had lost his radar sense and he had to convince um, oh gosh I can't even remember who the bad guy was but he tried to convince the bad guy he hasn't lost his radar sense by walking across a tightrope wow yeah which was way back in like issue <laughs> 20 something I think I don't remember who the villain was either, but I do remember the moment. <laughs> Help um, us out, listeners. Who was the villain? Let who was the know. villain? Yeah, you, if you answer, you get a no prize. Um, so he gets up there, Daredevil gets up there, and he's reaching out with his radar sense, and he says, um, you know, I can't sense anything bad. There's nothing uh, terrible going on, but he does, the, this character is emitting some kind of, uh, there's some kind of wave force coming off him, some kind of chaos wave that's hitting things and making the bricks loosen. And he says, you know, it's mechanical in nature. Yeah, some kind of mechanical thing which is loosening bricks. I don't want the bricks to start falling and hurting people. This could be dangerous. It could he could get hurt. So Daredevil goes out on the wire and grabs him, and uh, uh, he goes out to talk to him first. And um, the um, uh, the trickster jumps up and down on the wire, which gets the crowd going. And Daredevil comes out and says, "Hey, why don't we cut out? Why don't we stop with the show?" And he says, "Why?" And keeps basically he keeps saying to him, "Why should I do what you're asking? Why, why, why do you get away with it? But I have to be careful." Um, and he goes, uh, and they talk a little bit about the psychology of what they are. And he says, "Why are you dressed? Why, why are you doing this? Why are you dressed like an angel with a skull on your head uh, up here?" And he says, "Well, why are you dressed like a devil?" And it's just a little bit like back and forthy between them exactly. for exactly. And one thing we should point out as well is the fact that. While Daredevil is doing this, he realizes that he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah, when he, he realizes. Takes this, yeah, when he takes this guy down, he knows that everybody down below who who don't really know what's going on 
are going to see Daredevil as being the chump that ended their fun. Kind of what the police officers, um, excuse me, what the police officers were talking about earlier. Yeah. But yeah, Daredevil now realizes, yeah, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. And, but you know what? It's better that I'm that guy and he doesn't fall and hurt people. Yeah. And Daredevil actually starts second guessing himself a little bit. While he's going out there, he's, he's thinking, like you said, he's thinking, well, the crowd is really into this. I'm going to look bad, but I've got to save this guy. And then he says, uh, he says, I'm kind of proving what the cop was saying, right? I'm, I'm running in like a daredevil doing stuff. And uh, he says, you know, it's hard for me to separate the reasons why I do what I do. Is some of it the challenge, the call to adventure? It, like, Am I just doing this to impress people or to make myself feel better? Or is there a reason? Um, when they get out on the tightrope, they, like I said, we have that. They have, they have a little bit of discussion and daredevil finally just leaps forward and says, I'm, I'm taking you down. And they fall off. And uh, somehow Daredevil manages to get them to both be holding onto the wire. And um, and the trickster is basically just saying, I like it out here. I'm not moving. I'm quite happy. And they get into a, a tussle where they fight. Um, Daredevil manages to kick the skull off. And the trickster reveals himself from under the costume where he has that that demonic look. The elf ears and the, the fangs and the red eyes and the, the horns. Did you the, see his feet? You see his feet there, cloven hoofs. Yeah. Yeah, so he's really all in. Um, and the crowd are really getting into it. They're like, uh, some of them are like, wow, this is great. Some of them are like, it's just all make-believe. We don't believe any of it. It's just a show. They're just doing it for attention. Just wait until they start passing the hat around. And Daredevil does a, uh, he starts get to get frustrated and he ends up just kicking the trickster. The trickster falls and he's he has a, a huge green scarf as part of his costume, which wraps around the um, the wire. And it seems like the trickster's hanged himself or has been hanged in accidentally in the process. And Daredevil pulls him up and the trickster kind of laughs in his face and then runs off. And Daredevil realizes that he's lost him. Um, then it's Christmas, Christmas afternoon. Yeah. And this is where, where Matt and uh, Karen, they have a little, a little bit of an argument. And it's, it's, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but this, this issue sort of starts when Karen starts to get a little bit really worried about how Matt is perceived by the media. Yeah. And she doesn't like the fact that people are seeing Matt as being so aggressive and a fighter because he is such a soft, sweet, innocent guy. Yeah, she can't. Her. Yeah, she can't put the two two images of him together in her mind. Exactly, and and uh, so Matt and her kind of having this little bit of a tussle, and and while they're arguing, um, he he um, <clears throat> excuse me, he senses that something is bad is happening because he senses that radar again. That um, yeah. That the uh, electronic thing. disruption the, thing. Exactly. So he runs off, changes into his outfit, but there's a cool little moment that after he changes, he realizes that he left Karen and it was not exactly a nice little goodbye. Yeah. So he comes back and swings in his daredevil costume and gives her a little smoosh on the lips yeah. before he then takes off again. He yeah. says, I love you, Karen. Yeah. But, yeah. Karen, Karen's, they've been walking along and Karen's basically been saying the guy hasn't been doing anything wrong. He was climbing a building and, and, you climb buildings every day. You do all of this stuff. What's the difference between you and him, which is starting to get to him? Um, there's a cute little uh, moment where he, after he kisses Karen and says, I love you, Karen, he jumps off and it's uh, Todd McFarlane doing his little Frank Miller impression of Daredevil at the bottom there, drawing a, a very mm-hmm. Frank Miller-style pose. And um, So we find the trickster is breakdancing. 
Yeah. <laughs> um and he you know he's got a crowd around everyone's excited they're all saying you know what's he gonna do what's he up to no one knows look he's got war paint on his face isn't this fun and then he says i'm gonna climb the top of chrysler building and continue the ritual i'm gonna make it snow in new york just for you i'm gonna risk my life just for your amusement and then he starts to climb up as he's climbing up some of the bricks start falling because of the the chaos thing um, and they start, a bunch of them fly out towards the crowd and Daredevil <laughs> leaps in and blocks all of the bricks from hitting people. They hit him in various parts of his body, but he's just like, look out folks. Um, they and, never, I mean, what is the point of his superpower? If uh, you want to call the it trickster? Superpower? I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. It, it doesn't really do anything particularly. It's enough it's to yeah, it's enough to make Daredevil question what he's up to. It's enough okay. to give Daredevil just enough justification to get involved. Um, they start climbing up the building. Um, he's he's climbing up faster, and Daredevil stops off because he sees the uh, the Fat Boys. <laughs> the Fat Boys on top of the building, and one of them uh, is is it Freddy? It's uh, Freddy. Is yeah, it, yeah, Freddy. Freddy wants to do this uh, stunt. And Daredevil's like, man, this is the last thing I want to deal with right now, but I got to be here for these kids. Yeah. Um, so Freddie's like, look, I've been, well, not just Freddie, all the fat boys are like, Freddie's been trying so hard. He can do this stunt. He can yeah. skateboard from this one building to the other one. And Daredevil's like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not safe. And again, the kids are like, well, you did it. You, what's different? He's been, he's been practicing. And he says, well, I, I trained really hard. I didn't just go out and do it. And they said, yeah, we just told you. Yeah. He's been it's, training. It's, <laughs> Really hard, and and Freddie Daredevil's like, he go Daredevil goes, you know what, you can do it, Freddie, but you have to promise you can only do it when I'm around. Yeah, so only... that way, Daredevil's like, okay, if this kid doesn't end up making the cross to the other side, at least I'll be here to save his life. Yeah, but, and we should note that, that Freddie has started to wear a Daredevil mask. It's like a paper bag that's been painted red with painted the, like Daredevil with, yeah. with devil horns on the top. Um, so, anyways, um, I'm sure you're all wondering, but he successfully makes it from. Freddy, a, building A to building B. Yeah, on a skateboard. That's on his caboose. Yeah, on a skateboard. Pretty good jump. And then Daredevil goes, "Hey, so hey, why why aren't you guys at home? It's Christmas, and that's what people are talking about. Like, that's eh, what Christmas. There ain't no snow. My old man got drunk and forgot to buy his presents. All that type of stuff. What a bunch of great, you know, what a great group of little kids. Yeah, and then one of them, I think uh, Butch says, uh, "What about you? You still chasing that stunt man? What did he do wrong? For you know, he's a new hero." And Daredevil swings away. Just going, why is everyone a smart ass these days? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he jumps over the building and then uh, part of the building collapses and the trickster actually saves him. And Daredevil says, I don't need your help. And he's like, yes, you do. I saved your life. I'm a hero too now. Was that supposed to make me feel bad? Does it make you feel good, Daredevil, to save people? Does it help you to look in the mirror? Does it fill the silences? And he's climbing. they're climbing way up the Chrysler building, almost to the top of the Chrysler building. And uh, Daredevil realizes that he's got a death wish, that this guy is talking and talking like someone that wants to die. And um, he's starting to talk about how he's sick and tired of heroes that are overshadowing normal people. Normal people can be heroes as well. There's no difference between them. And then he chains himself to the spire or the, the rod at the top, the steeple of the Chrysler building. And Daredevil says, what are you doing? It's a, that's a lightning rod and there's a storm coming. And then the trickster actually snaps out of whatever has been going on. We've, all the way through, we've heard him talk about how 
the worst thing for him is these silent moments because in the silent moments that's when he hears a voice inside him saying why are you even here and then he suddenly snaps out of this and he says i you've got to help me daredevil please save me and daredevil says okay just be still i'm going to get you loose i'm going to get you out of this trap um we'll take it easy we'll get you down everyone wants to thank you for the show and the trickster is is quite happy to hear that people are happy that he's been that he's entertained them and while he's in the process of doing it suddenly a bolt of lightning hits the spire the steeple and uh that's it crackacoom no more trickster yeah no more trickster his one and only appearance i guess yeah one and only appearance um we cut briefly over to karen we go over to karen's place and she's hanging out with her buddy hilda who is um works with matt um, at the diner yeah and what was is Hilda doing? She's in the bathroom um, doing some drugs. Yeah. And she comes out, and Karen is mortified, saying, you know, how could you do that in my house when I used to be an addict? And she goes, you know what? I'm sorry. It's just been so tough for me. You know, you know, my boyfriend is – I don't know if she broke up with him on, with her on Christmas or just Bofo. working. Bofo. Bofo. Um, <laughs> but Karen is, like, immediately forgiving and says, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Not exactly the type of response you probably want to get to somebody who, who I guess, relapses a little bit. but Yeah, but she's saying, you know, we, we're both in this situation together. We're here. I'm putting up a nativity set, which I have no interest in. I've lost all, you know, I, everything that I've been through, I should be against this idea. But there's some, we, we have to find our stabilities, our moments of stability where we can. And we don't need the, Matt, Matt stood me up, Bofo stood you up. Let's uh, let's just hang out. We'll have dinner together, and then they look out the window, and it's snowing. It's snowing in New York. The trickster somehow died and made it snow. Do you think he did with his little uh, superpowers? Who knows? Or, uh, his thing that he lets out, or he's a he's a mysterious cat. Is the trickster? We never even learned his name. Oh yeah, that's right. I guess yeah. we don't. No, and then uh, Matt sitting up, Daredevil sitting up on the the up by the body of the trickster. And, and see, he feels like he failed the trickster because yeah. the, it, it, while they were fighting up on the trip wire and or not trip wire on the high wire, and even uh, while he was trying to save him on the Chrysler building, mm-hmm. he felt like he failed him because the he's to him the trickster was looking for not advice so much, but like a, a better understanding of how Daredevil is able to, you know, I guess do good in the persona of a bad guy i guess or, or yeah. in, in a demon yeah and he feels like he didn't give a good enough response and i mean it's typical that you know these superheroes always feel like it's their fault yeah when when, when the hero goes all or when the villain goes all the way down in the deep end yeah yeah daredevil but, kind of says you know why couldn't i find the words to save him when we were up on the wire why yeah. is this am i not careful enough of the image i present which is a, a really key thing um it starts to become more and more of an issue during uh, Nascenti's run about this idea of who Daredevil is and what he presents as himself and who he actually is behind that. So, um, And while he's, while he's deep in thought, he hears a heartbeat and he thinks maybe the trickster's back, but then it isn't. It's, uh, it's Freddy. Little Freddy. Little Freddy made Freddy. it to the top of the Christ. How the heck did he get all the way up there? He the jumped snow. up there on his skateboard. Um, and... Uh, Freddie's there. Freddie's like saying, you got nowhere to go at Christmas either? Well, maybe I can cheer you up. And he says, look, it's snowing. Can't you see it? We've got a white Christmas after all. I see it. Wow, it's so quiet. 
And Daredevil, in a little callback, we didn't mention this earlier, but he says he's the only guy who can hear snow falling and kind of laments that, says, lucky me. Um, and Freddy says, let's go, let's go plan it. I've learned a couple of uh, new skateboard tricks I can show you. And then he, and then asks Daredevil to teach him some new tricks. Right. So overall, like I mentioned earlier, this was not exactly a, <laughs> a, a Christmas full of cheer um, issue, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, there was some Christmas mentions we had a fake santa claus at the beginning you know it snows at the end mm-hmm. you know we've got a, a villain dying we got a side character taking drugs you know, mm-hmm. all the all the makings of a good christmas story yeah um and uh daredevil issue we're gonna talk about before we jump into the spider-man crossover yeah is issue 242 242 daredevil the Yes, Daredevil, the caviar killer, still at large in the city. So this issue deals a lot with what Jamie mentioned earlier, where um, Anna Senti uh, likes to dive into political issues. Mm -hmm. And um, we've got the whole – it's not – It's not a Robin Hood story. But you have a character who is the caviar killer. Um, who he, is he gets dubbed the caviar killer by the media? We should say. by the media. By the media, he is he is poor, and the issue starts with him going to the house of his boss or his there. But um, his boss's house, his boss is having the most. You know, a huge meal, you know, turkey stuffing. It's not Thanksgiving, but he's just got, he has everything there. And while he's eating, he's talking about how successful he is. And yeah. How he worked his, he worked his way up from the bottom. He's, uh, the, the boss is a, a, like a literal fat cat where he's basically saying the, 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 the only thing he enjoys in life is it's, he makes a lot of money. He's very wealthy. He worked, he did all of this. He built all of his wealth. He worked hard and maybe the, the, the guy who's there, the caviar killer, who's there, uh, Joe, is there to say, you know, you're you're looking at laying off a bunch of workers and these are guys that work hard and they can't afford this to have uh, for this to happen. And the 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 boss, the the rich guy, is basically saying they need to work hard. They need to do their work to make the money. You know, I everything I do has got me to this position and the the only thing I enjoy now, other than all the money I've made, is food. And and he's eating this this lavish meal. Yeah, and he and he talks about you know like how he's he grew up poor and he you know he doesn't say how he ended up getting his riches, but he built you know he built his empire and right now because he built his empire he is enjoying I guess the fruits of the fruits of his labor. Joshua is frozen, ladies and gentlemen. He's making weird noises because we're doing a remote one. Joshua, are you back with us? I'm here. There you go. You were saying fruits of his labor. Oh yes. So uh, sorry about that, everybody. So um, <laughs> the uh, uh, Joe's boss is you know he's eating the food and he's talking about how he was poor and then he ended up becoming rich you know through whatever however, however the means of him doing it. And he's sitting down at his meal and enjoying himself. And he took, he let this guy come in, Joe, because he was interested to see what Joe's. Yeah, he's kind of morbidly curious. Um, are working for you. Um, you know, we're not making a, a, a fair living wage. 
and you know you you are eating food that I could never even even fathom eating. The caviar alone is probably cost more than what I make in a month. Yeah. And, and you know, like, like how can you not care about the little people and everything? And he gets so heated up. Um, and you know, it's not really, I mean, you can call it jealousy. You can call it whatever. He just gets he, angry because at he, one he stage angry because, because, you know, he doesn't see how somebody would want to work, the, you know, take their money and use their money on this, on a big house, on a big feast. He feels like they should. He should be using his money for other things, uh, dispensing it down to, to to the people that work for yeah, him. Yeah, the, the guy mentions. He says, you know, you just have to be calm and you have to be patient, and then trickle down will take care of you. And and Joe says, you know, that's that's a lie that hasn't been working. We haven't been getting anything. You're talking about laying off a bunch of people, and you're sitting here having this huge meal by yourself, and that's that. There is no trickle down. And his boss, um, or the, the guy, offers some. Uh, filet mignon to his dog. He bring he brings his dog over, and Joe snaps and says, "You know that's that's insulting that you are just offering this food that's worth more money than most people earn in in a month, and you're just giving it to a dog casually because you that's what you see us. You see us as less than dogs. You see us as these less than animal creatures that you can just do whatever you want to." And he starts getting angry, and he starts forcing food into... Yeah, he actually grabs the caviar, and he stuffs the caviar into... Um, into I, I don't remember his name, so I'm just going to say into his boss's mouth. Yeah. And, and he puts it in there, and, and then he takes his hand and suffocates him with the caviar mm -hmm. in his throat, and then he ends up dying. Yeah. And then when he dies, he feels so... When he dies, well, you know what? I am, you know, I, I crossed the line, so I've now crossed over to the other side. So I now have to change my whole perspective on everything. It, it's like I, I can't go back. I can't go back to how I was before. Yeah, he mentions you know, this, his so, wife and kids and says that he's really, yeah. you know, he realizes that that in killing someone, he's that's it. It's all over. He doesn't. He's, he's so, broken everything. So he calls the he calls the uh, the police station, the second precinct, and they end up putting him on hold. Uh -huh. So he gets frustrated, and so he goes, "You know what? I'm going to call somebody who's just as good as the police. I'm going to call the Daily Bugle." So he calls. Is, um, What's the name of the reporter? What is his name? His name is. Um, is it uh, Simon? Da, 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 da. Simon Lagrange. Simon. Simon. It's Simon. Yeah. So Simon is is the guy that answers the phone and. Uh, Joe tells him everything, and Simon's like, you know what? Don't call the police. I'm going to come right over. And Joe sees this. Yeah. He's, uh, Joe realizes that he's now got a, a voice and a way of talking, and Simon sees that he's got a angle of how to to make right. a story. So Simon Simon tells the secretary, he goes, you know, hey, don't let him, don't let him, uh, you know, uh, print the first page story. Give me an hour. I've got, I've got something coming up that's going to be huge. So he goes over well, – actually, before he goes over to his house, we have a little moment where Daredevil ends up saving this old guy who is getting um, – He's getting mugged, right? ATM. Yeah, they're, they're dressed in a war paint. They painted um, symbols on their on their faces. Um, one of them has got a mohawk, yeah. and they get into a little fight. And while they get into this fight, um, uh, Daredevil ends up – saving the old man and the old man actually offers the money to daredevil that he taken out of the atm daredevil's like no i don't do this for money and then daredevil realizes this whole fight was videotaped 
Yeah. And he, and he ends up leaving and went and, um, so we'll get back to that later, but that whole fight was videotaped. Yeah. Now there is and one, Jim, one Daredevil thing. Daredevil did end up beating everybody up in order yeah. to save the old guy. But the old guy, the old guy mentions, he says, you know, you're a lot more refined than I thought you would be. They always present you as being this like aggressive, vicious person, but yeah. everything you did was very measured. And, and I saw that you were like doing things that it was, it was for effectiveness rather than for punishment. You weren't intentionally hurting people you were doing it to stop them from doing things to other people and right and and daredevil he goes well you know what i mean does does my you know media image my image in media does it even matter you know he's kind of questioning like is this something i really need to be you know in one step in front of does it matter is it better that people perceive me as being this dark you know like guy that beats up the bad guys because this could potentially scare people from doing stuff so he starts to question whether or not it matters or not um the old guy was like well yeah of course it does matter because you don't want to be you know perceived as something that you're not because then everyone's gonna think you're not this nice good civil superhero Mm -hmm. you know they're gonna think you're a demon they're gonna think you know that you uh only care about punching in faces so anyway so we go so that that will come into effect a little bit later in the issue but we go across town Back to see Joe and the boss that he killed, Simon shows up. And when Simon gets there, Joe has taken, um, I don't know if it's red paint. They don't really say, but he <coughs> ends up painting big dollar signs all through his house, on top of his face, on the floor. Yeah. And, and he tells Simon, Joe goes, look, I know I'm going to go to prison. I'm not going to deny it. I did this. I'm going to go down a hero for all the little people. That's what he wants. Yeah. And then Simon's Simon like, to really just, Simon's just loving it. He's yeah. like, Ooh, this is great. Like I'm, I'm feeling so good right now. Like I get a, you know, I'm going to, this is going to put me up to the top. So anyway, so we go back to, uh, um, to, to Matt's place and Karen is there. She's sweeping the floor and she's watching on the news. She sees the fight that just happened with daredevil. And then that moment daredevil shows up and actually startles Karen and, mm-hmm. and daredevil goes, why are you surprised? It's just me. And then she says a lie. And he obviously Daredevil can tell us a lie by listening to the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And, and she tells Matt, like, look, like, you know, I don't like the way that the media is perceiving you. You are, I kind of mentioned this earlier, last issue, but you are a, you know, you're a sweet, nice man who cares about people and you do this for people so they don't get hurt but now everyone is seeing you as this you know i don't know what you would call it but somebody who enforces law by being scary i guess Mm -hmm. and and she goes i don't want you to be like that and matt realizes boy this is really 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 bothering bothering her maybe i should start to change that image well right before um Right in the middle of this, I guess, little argument. It's not heated, but Matt fills a news newspaper and finds out about the caviar killer. Mm-hmm. So as he's going to leave, he sees Karen crying and says, Karen, you know, like this violent image of mine, is it really bothering you? And she says, you know, like, I, I'm afraid. Hmm. And it kind of leaves at that moment. But um, so they had a little embrace before he goes off to go find the caviar killer. Um, so now we go to Upper West Side in New York and we see um, – the caviar killer does his next killing, yeah. which is it's another rich person, and uh, um, he, it's it's he kills the wife of I mean I mean maybe she was the one that got him the richest I shouldn't just assume he did but um, uh, the man is getting ready at the mirror 
his wife is 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 also getting ready, and and he comes over and puts pearls around her neck mm-hmm. and makes a comment about like, oh, the you know these I only got these insured for like half a million half dollars. A million, they're, yeah. they're they're probably worth more, and I love the way they feel on my fingers. And they're talking about you know like how the stock market did so well they can afford to buy a second house, a beach house, and. Um, we hear the, um, the, the, the Joe, the caviar killer, he is like listening to all this and he goes, half a million for one piece of jewelry. My father didn't make that much in his whole life. So um, while um, uh, Howard is his name, while Howard is doing his tie in front of the mirror, mm-hmm. um, Joe comes over and ends up strangling um, his wife with the pearls that are around her neck. Mm-hmm. Is it and, Martine? Um, is that the wife's name? I think. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably. <laughs> It is Martine. Yes, yeah. yes. Haha, Martine. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to the Daily Bugle. And so obviously now this has already been reported, the second the yeah. second uh, uh, killing. And, and the, this sec- is the second they- killing is uh, they talk about how the, this family are uh, philanthropists, how they're very yeah. given and they give to charity and now they've been killed. And and um, right, yeah, yeah. Th- this is this is the moment where um, I think Ben Uring uh, yes, um, I- confronts Simon, right? He, uh, this guy, you're the reason why he's, you know, like you're giving him a voice, you're giving him a fan. Yeah. You're kind of stoking the fire on this one and you're doing it for your own gain. Yeah. It's a great moment. I love seeing Ben, like he gets so furious. He's pointing fingers at one point. He's, he reaches out to grab him and to attack Simon in a way to beat him up is what it seems like. Yeah. He has to get restrained by, uh, by, by, uh, another employee and um, luckily Daredevil shows up and uh, Daredevil gets all the information he needs to kind of figure out that there's going to be a meeting that takes place where um, the uh, Simon LaGrange basically says I'm going to pivot to video (laughs) is pretty much the he says I don't need the I don't need the newspaper I've got a a bigger voice now I've got these people I can go to video and 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 Joe has kind of inspired a swell of the workers and there's a there's a whole sequence of um, reports that suggest that, that rich people are living in fear in New York. Because right. And the he's gotten, to push back. yeah, he's gotten such a huge following. So, you know, th- this is the next day and, um, Simon is there and he's interviewing, he's going to interview, um, Joe and Joe is standing in a crowd of a whole bunch of men. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're all like, I guess people that are, you know, blue collar workers and people that have kind of followed behind him because they believe that what he's doing is right. And they all have that money sign um, painted on their shirt. Yeah. And then Joe steps out and um, uh, he, he, he gives his spiel again uh, about, you know, like how the poor are staying poor because the rich are not, you know, helping the poor advance. And, and, and then Daredevil shows up and uh, ends up jumping down. And while he does this, he realizes, okay, Craig. So I'm stuck in that situation. There's cameras everywhere. In order for me to stop this, this killer might go off and go do other things. I have to stop him now. I need to stop this. Things are going to potentially get physical. Yeah, he's going to be seen to be fighting the working man. Exactly. And then Daredevil at that moment realizes, you know what? I need to stop. I need to stop worrying about Karen. I need to stop worrying about my image because I need to do what is right. So he ends up fighting these guys. I mean, it is self-defense because they were the ones that pushed him and threw the first punches. It was not Daredevil. No, he he, he tries to hold back a little bit, but he doesn't. Yeah, the media is not going to see it that way. No. So Daredevil, he ends up fighting. Um, There's several pages of great art here. 
Um, well, we never actually mentioned the, um, uh, it's the Keith, artist. Keith Pollard is the artist. He does the yeah, cover as well. Yeah, and it is, it is some great it's some great art, yeah. He, yeah it, and, Keith and, did uh, he did an earlier issue of Dead or I think he did. Yeah, one forty three. So what ends up happening to end this issue is that um, Joe realizes he's the one who stops it. He's like, everybody stop! This was never my intent. Please don't do this. I didn't mean for any of this to happen. Enough people have been hurt. Here you go. The officers who have just showed up, by the way, you know, meow, meow, meow. Yeah. They just show up. <laughs> and he goes, and Joe goes, you know what? I'm turning myself in. Everybody stopped. And then so Daredevil. Daredevil. Um... He goes, this is to Simon. He says, you use this man's pain to create a circus. You seduced him with silver words and promises of fame and flashy TV shows. You and your media guns gave him power, but he was just a man who needed help. You've probably broken no laws, and that's a crime because you should go to jail for this. Yeah. And what ends up happening, the police come in, and they end up handcuffing both Simon and Joe mm-hmm. and take them away. And, and Joe's like, I didn't do – or Simon's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything. And even Joe goes, don't worry, Simon. I'll let him know it was all me. Yeah, I'll vouch for you. <laughs> and Joe's like, oh, dude, thanks, Simon. That's it, great. Uh, Simon is, is the one who's like, oh, thank goodness he's not <laughs> – I don't want to get in trouble. I'll use this guy to – so the, so the epilogue of this issue is Karen watched the fight. And, of course, the media exaggerated everything and made it seem like Daredevil was the one who started the fight and did all the fighting. Mm-hmm. So Karen is just left crying, wondering when Matt's going to come home. And just she doesn't know how to take it. She's starting to feel really bad about all this stuff. Yeah. She's, uh, she's starting to question. And this is, this is good because this is, I mean, that was the entire basis of why their relationship wasn't going to work the first time around when she first discovered that Matt was Daredevil. And she said, I can't handle the idea of you being this character. I can't. And, at, at, you know, at some point it was, I'm worried about what will happen to you. I don't think I can handle someday getting the phone call that says that you've been killed or that you've been really hurt. And now it's starting to shift with, like, I can't marry the two ideas of who you are when you're with me and who you are presented to be when you're out there and you're fighting people and you're being violent and aggressive. This isn't, this isn't the man I know. Yeah, it, it was, it was a, it was a very thick issue. I would say it, it rivals Frank Miller for word usage. There's <laughs> later stuff. There was a lot. This, this issue took me like 30 minutes to read. Yeah. It the, was a long issue. The one, of the, one of the things I really like about Anna Senti is that they are reads. You actually read yeah. them, you know, and it get, and yeah. it's at first it takes a while to get used to her, her dialogue pattern because it's very, it's almost stream of consciousness. It's almost this kind of uh, rhythm that the characters have where they are, where they're talking to themselves in a way that's more realistic than, than say um, the silver age where it was like a very, um, expositionally and then moving the story along this is more about moving the characters along within the story so it's uh it once you get used to the rhythm though her, her, her style is fantastic all right so that takes care of the two daredevil issues that we're going to cover yeah just today. the two just the two just the two it's, but, but, we should probably cover less and less as we go because they are such dense reads <laughs> they are dense reads 
So th- this um, this next one is a five parter. It's called Gang War. It's a mm-hmm. very fun read. Yeah. If you if you haven't read it before, it, it's um, Amazing Spider Man. Amazing Spider Man. It's issues two eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, this is all January nineteen eighty seven onwards um, from volume one of Amazing Spider Man. Spider Man's in his black costume at this period. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. This is the costume that the Black Cat gave him, right? Because the symbiote has been been revealed and he's got rid of it he gets rid of that pretty quickly i think mm-hmm. um the just so, this, so this, this story yeah, fits ahead, in sorry this story fits yeah. into uh, where we're at because it's about the the kingpin and the absence of the kingpin what that means to the criminal world in the marvel universe especially in the new york and in the area that daredevil and spider-man both kind of dwell in um the kingpin has gone to europe He's gone to Europe to see if he can fix the Vanessa problem that we kind of covered um, last but one episodes with the the graphic novel um, where Vanessa was in the care of Dr. Paul Monday. Uh, we don't see Paul Monday. I'm not sure if he's mentioned by name or if he's just referred to as like the doctor. The kingpin's gone to see the doctor or he's gone to see the person that Vanessa's with. Um but this is a this is about what happens when the kingpin isn't there, about the the rush of bad yeah. guys that think they can fill the the void. Um, the writers are Tom DeFalco and Jim Owsley, um, and it's Ron Franz and Brett Breeden on this the, the first issue. Um, the first couple are quite quick because Daredevil yeah. really isn't really in them. So. Daredevil, we're still going to go over it, but um, can we just? give a little like description of, of um, the players that are in the game war because I think they're all going to pop up in the first issue anyways. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about like all the major players. Yeah. I mean the ones that really cross over for us are even though he's absent the Kingpin has mentioned a lot we have um, the Kingpin's Kid- son um, we have Ben Ulrich features quite heavily mm-hmm. um, and um, then um, in terms of the, the people who are trying to fill the void you have the Blue Boys Mm-hmm. You have the Hobgoblin. Um, Jack. Yeah, the Hobgoblin works for, at the for, moment, the Hobgoblin works for the Rose. Yeah. And then you have Jack-O-Lantern and... Um, Jack-O-Lantern works for the Arranger. The Arranger, that's right, yeah. Um, the Arranger is the guy who is kind of standing in for the Kingpin. He's the Kingpin's lieutenant in his absence, and he's been told to take care of things. So uh, the Arranger's been using the Jack-O-Lantern to keep, some kind of order because people like Silvermane and Hammerhead are pushing to take over. Yeah. Take there's, over yeah the so there's really five players. If you think about it, there's the, there's the arranger. There is the, and, and the arrangers team, you mm-hmm. got uh, the Rose and the roses team. You have um, Hammerhead and Hammerhead's team. Mm-hmm. You've got Silvermane mm-hmm. and you've got the blue boys. Yeah. So you've got five groups. And in this first issue, it, you really get narrowed down to a few at the end. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the, the gang war actually gets fought in this first issue. <laughs> Before Daredevil even shows up. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man. Good. Oh, okay. Um, so, so Spider-Man ends up breaking up this... Uh, this fight or ends up going into a, a warehouse and stopping, uh, they're stealing stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like weapons or whatever the, the blue boys are. Yeah. The blue boys are breaking in on one of the arrangers, uh, uh, gun runners. Uh, 
Exactly. So the blue boys show up, the Rangers, they start shooting at each other. Uh, you've got somebody in secret um, photographing everything, which comes into play later because mm-hmm. Peter Parker also sets up cameras and tries to capture these moments to help further his career. Yeah. Um, get some actually just to get rent money, to be honest. But um <laughs> Um, uh, the, so the, the hobgoblin comes in. Hobgoblin and, shows up. Yeah, and at this and time we should we should note that the the hobgoblin in a previous issue, um, the hobgoblin was revealed to be Flash Thompson, but it was a it was a fake reveal. Right. It was the Everyone hobgoblin. Assumes of, yeah. That the hobgoblin is still Flash Thompson. Yeah, and Flash Peter Parker does not. He he wants to prove that. He wants Flash to prove is, innocence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the hobgoblin is is going around. Uh, Flash is actually in hiding. The Hobgoblin's still in operation, and he's set up Flash Thompson to take the fall for him. Um, So Spider-Man isn't sure if he is Flash or not, but is pretty certain. But every time the Hobgoblin comes, he has a moment where he's like, Flash, is that you? Uh, it's the, the hobgoblin's going to stop and go. Yeah, it's me. But let's yes. let's get to that in a bit. Um, um, so they end up fight. So you've got three sides fighting right now. Mm-hmm. Hobgoblin, who's working for the Rose. You've got the Arrangers man. You've got the Blue Boys. And Spider Man's in the middle of it. And yeah. You have somebody secretly taking photos. The fight ends up going outside. Um, Hobgoblin ends up making the most damage. So Spider Man goes and chases Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin gets away town. because he attacks the other people and he says, I'm willing to hurt people when you're not, so I know that right, I can right. get away. You've got to take care of these guys. They're going to die if you don't help them. And the police arrive, and uh, Spider Man is currently persona non grata with the police, um, which kind of comes, ebbs and flows in uh, that town. He, he gets to, he says, you know, well, maybe I can get over to. The Daily Bugle, it's not a complete loss. I've lost the Hobgoblin. The police are here, but they can take care of stuff. Maybe I can sell these pictures for rent money. And, and he, when he gets up there, he realizes he's late for a meeting. And this is Ben Urich yeah. talking, telling everybody about the, you know, what led up to this gang war, which Jimmy yeah. already mentioned. And we get the image of Daredevil. Which yeah, we get our one little video image, yeah. About how- uh, he says, uh, Ben says, thanks. Uh, Jay Jonah says, okay, start your presentation. And, and Ben says, thanks, Jonah. Cough. Uh, <laughs> the mess bega- began as a personal feud between Wilson Fisk, the alleged kingpin of crime, and this man, Daredevil, the man without fear. Details are sketchy, but we know kingpin was nearly successful in his attempts to have Daredevil killed. Then he mentions about the damage that was done to Hell's Kitchen with Nuke um, and several square blocks of Hell's Kitchen being destroyed. Um and and Peter's watching this and he says, I had a fight with Fire Lord that didn't cause this much destruction. How can anyone survive that? And uh, he says, this this all happened while I was trying to get back from Appalachia, which was in uh, Web of Spider-Man issue 18, for those who want to go and read that. I don't. Uh, and he says, not that there's much I could have done anyway. I hear even the Avengers were in on it. So you remember at the end of um, Born Again, the Avengers kind of stopped things. Then Ben goes over the players, like we mentioned, um, and he says, you know, Silvermane, the Blue Boys, the Arranger, Hammerhead, and the Rose. Um, he says there's a lot of uh, lot of rumors about what the Kingpin's up to, where he is. Uh, Ranger's been left in charge as a Kingpin organization. Kingpin himself has disappeared. Rumors he's gone into hiding after having lost his wife. Um, lost in his war of wills with with Daredevil, um, and uh, he says that's pretty much it, guys. And then Peter says, "Okay, I got some photographs to one of the editors," and the editor says, ah, "Too slow, Peter. We already got some from someone else. Um, from uh, who was it? I can't remember who it was. Um, 
uh, Bannon, Lance Bannon, uh, brought the shots from Lance Bannon. And then Spider-Man senses Ned Leeds. His spider sense kicks off whenever Ned Leeds comes around. And Ned Leeds... Now, this is... I I was reading Spider-Man back then, and I was trying to remember... I remember when they revealed Flash as the Hobgoblin and being confused. And I remember they revealed Ned Leeds was the Hobgoblin, and it was like a setup that he had done. But I think they revealed that it was someone else after that. And I couldn't remember if Ned was the Hobgoblin or if they were just setting him up to be the Hobgoblin. But there's a whole thing of him, uh, Ned Leeds, and Betty... Betty Brandt, is that her name? I forgot. I don't know what her last name is, but this portion is like the, the, the gang war. You've got a lot of fun little yeah. fighting and, and like gang, you know, like little like stuff going on between all the different gangs. And then you got the soap opera that is going on. The, in the soap opera. Thing. The soap opera, and which is just, a, yeah. They give just as much time to the soap opera as they do to the actual gang yeah, war. Yeah, which is what like. Spider Man is all about. It's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Betty, Betty used to be married to Ned Leeds. Ned Leeds is quite aggressive and the, he's always, it's always implied that he is the Hobgoblin or at least is connected to the Hobgoblin. And I honestly can't remember. Maybe someone can let us know, but I'm pretty sure at some point he was revealed to be the Hobgoblin, but then it was revealed someone else was the Hobgoblin. Betty is now, I think she's with Flash Thompson or is in love with Flash Thompson. So that causes yeah. that little breakup because they're going through a divorce. Um, what is this well, going but, on? But here, but here she says, I'm still your wife, you know? Yeah. This is while she is sleeping around with Flash. Well, making so. eggs for him. I don't know that she's sleeping around, but she's certainly uh, putting him up in her house while he's on the run uh, for being uh, uh, exposed as being you know, the Hobgoblin. We we jump over to the Kingpin of Crimes Tower. We know that tower quite well. It doesn't have any yes. windows or cameras on one side. Who is the arranger? Do they ever say what the arranger's name is? No. No, I don't think no. he's ever been... I don't know if it's his first... Appearance. I'm sure he's appeared in... The thing. This is where it gets confusing for us because the the Kingpin, because he's in both Spider-Man and Daredevil, stuff happens in both books that affects him but doesn't really affect each other's stories. And it kind of gets... It gets like this weird... It's really confusing. Like the, the fact that, um, that uh, Richard Fisk wasn't mentioned at all until a few yeah. issues ago in Daredevil is kind of crazy. Um, uh, let me see. The, the arranger, because the arranger in Fist day-to-day business deals are legal otherwise, he had the kingpin more time to deal with personal matters such as his wife's illness or his personal vendetta. Arranger was very good at his job. Uh, what was his first appearance? Marvel team up 138 in February of 1984. Um, so yeah, he's been around for a while. He's had 41 okay, so he appearances. He's been around for a few years. Yeah. I don't know if oh, he's wow. ever so been... Spider-Man a lot. Yeah, it looks like... Uh, let yeah. me just bring up this page that will tell us. It doesn't look like he was ever in a Daredevil comic. He was in a lot of Spider-Man. And, uh, yeah, no Daredevils. No Daredevils as far as I can see. No Daredevils as far as I can see. And some Punishers. See, that's the thing. He's in everything. The, the Kingpin's uh, power extends across many titles. Um, so we see the arranger. He's having a conversation with a bunch of men who are basically. <laughs> this is the arranger is presented as as being. We must have seen that he's quite competent at some point in in other stories. In this one, he's constantly seen as someone who's second guessed. Everyone is basically whenever he says anything, well, people are course, just like, of course, because when you work underneath the king, yeah. And you're the kingpin stooge or whatever. Everyone's going to assume that you know what this this guy doesn't know anything. 
Yeah. His boss is Kingpin. There's no way. I mean, he can't run everything that Kingpin runs. There's no, no. way. So everybody comes up to him and says, when's the Kingpin coming back? And he says, yeah. I'm in control. <laughs> I've got it under control. Stop asking that question. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And while they're having this conversation, um, we jump over to Silvermane's estate in Westchester. Um, and we learn that the arranger has got Jack O'Lantern to go and take out Silvermane, to take one of the players off the board instantly. Um, and Jack O'Lantern bursts in. Jack O'Lantern is kind of like a, he looks exactly like you'd expect. He's like a, a low rent um, Green Goblin kind of character looking character who kind of floats around on a disc and throws pumpkin bombs or they're not even pumpkin bombs he he, he didn't get the trademark on the pumpkin bombs he throws <laughs> a, he throws these other explosive devices he bursts into silvermane's house silvermane is going through some um he, he's he, he had a fight with uh, spider-man that left him pretty much bedridden um and so jack lantern bursts in silvermane manages to get out of the bed and his he has a little bit of strength in him, um, like throws a few desks around. But Jack Lantern says, look, I know you're damaged. I know I can take you in this particular fight. And I know that this isn't going to kill you, but it will take you out. You know, you ain't got a body for a while. You're lucky to still be alive. Stay out of the gang business or I'll be back. And uh, by the way, the arranger says hi. So straight away, Silvermane seems like he's off the board. Yeah, I know. Like right away, Jack Jack O' Lantern actually did something that is hard to do. He took out somebody right away. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, for someone who's just like a low rent, another villain. The villain is out of the picture. Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought it was pretty cool because Jack O' Lantern is somebody you sort of make fun of. Yeah, you know? even at some Silver point Main in his story, is the even, boss. Yeah, exactly. Silvermane's been shown yeah. to be a tough guy. Jack yeah. Lantern's always seen as like a, a muscle for hire, and every when when the going gets tough, he's like, "Okay, see ya." Um, we see Peter goes to visit Aunt May. Aunt May is going through some financial stuff, uh, as always. Some people have moved out, and uh, she she needs some new tenants, so she's tidying up the house. We get a little moment where uh, we see some of the current tenants, Mister Chekhov. Um, uh, two of the boarders have moved out, so she, you know, she needs a couple more to move in. And he says, I'll help you tidy up the house. She wants to try and make it look more presentable. Uh, we bounce over to the Rose's penthouse. The Rose has his own penthouse. It doesn't have any windowless sides. But the Rose is in there. He's having a meeting. And um, there's, basically the people are saying that, you know, with Jack Lantern working for the Arranger, the resources that the that Jack now has are a little higher than what he's used to. Uh, this could get tricky. They just took out Silvermane, and the Rose says, "You know, just be calm. Um, it doesn't. It's it's only something that concerns us peripherally." Uh, we see Hobgoblin floating around behind them, and they they talk to each other like they're equals. But um, Hobgoblin constantly is like, uh, "When the time's right, you'll you'll find out exactly how how you fit into all this." Um, who is it that he has? Oh, Varley. It's, I thought it was Wesley at one second, but it's not. It's Varley. Um, Rose then is happy that he can take off the mask. He hates having to pretend, but, you know, he has to for the sake of keeping his business going. He kind of is revealed that the Rose has been operating with the Kingpin's approval because he is seen as being like a low-rung criminal. Um, So he's never really been involved in what's going on. Um, Then we see we have a little 
bust up, the cops burst in and um, they arrest the two people that were working for the Rose. Um, and they got the tip. And I can't remember where they got the tip from at this moment. I've completely forgotten. Um, but they say we got a tip off. Uh, more players, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's um, it's Keaton is meeting up with... Um, is it Ned? No, Roderick, Roderick Kingsley. Kingsley, yeah. Yeah, he was a, he's a shady guy who um, knows uh, Mary Jane from her modeling days. And it's just, it's, it's, it's basically there's all these like weird little moments of shady people meeting shady people to tell on shady people so that they can go and t- uh, take other shady people out so they can take over. Um, and Spider-Man, you know, meanwhile, you know, he's, he is, you know, swinging around town. He's you know, basically following and listening yeah. and, and, and figuring everything out. But I do want to give a shout out to his backpack, you know. I love the backpack. Yes, yeah, Spider-Man the makes the, the web backpack, which I think is. And, and it makes me, you know, miss the Daredevil shortly backpack that he yeah. had for a while. The little you know, satchel that he had. Around. He had his little satchel bag. <laughs> Spider-Man can't yeah. afford to lose clothes like Daredevil can afford to lose clothes. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man. Well, that's true. We, we should say Spider-Man actually has said, I've retired. I'm not getting involved in this. I keep getting sucked into these things. I'm just trying to find Flash Thompson so that I can get he, him off the hook for being revealed as being a hobgoblin. And I don't want to get involved. And he, he keeps watching these things unfold. And then the bad guys go, hey, there's Spider-Man. And they all start shooting him. And he's like, I'm not here. I'm, it's not me. Leave me alone. And swings away. Um, so he swings away. We see Hammerhead. Hammerhead goes out for a little meal, a restaurant, and then he gets a hit taken out on him, which I believe was the arranger again. Um, and <laughs> this is a great thing. There's a, uh, Kingpin's headquarters. There's a phone call. The arranger picks up the phone call and he says, are you certain Hammerhead is dead? You realize he's not entirely human. <laughs> he has that infernal <laughs> metal is- shielding in his skull. Really, is that all it is? Yeah. Like, is is that is that actually how how why his head looks like that? Is for the, for metal inside of his head? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, I had no idea. Yeah. Um. So the, the arranger is basically trying to take everyone out while he can. Um. And then we cut over to Mary Jane. Mary Jane's watching and, some some and, bad and TV. This, I don't. I like you know Mary Jane. When when you think of Sp- Spider Man, Jamie, who do you think of his number one squeeze? It's Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you like Mary Jane in this six part six parter? No, and I think it's kind of it's because Spider Man doesn't like her. Yeah, I know. It's he it's is being weird. a real jerk to her. In fact, he is. He's being a jerk to her. Yeah, she just wants to be nice and and help him out, and he's just she's worried. She's basically worried for him. She knows he's Spider Man at this stage, and. I think she always has. Um, and she's sort of saying, you know, just take your mask off, come and have some dinner, sit down, relax. You'll be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure you're okay. I'm here for you. Um, and then we find out that the hammerhead hit happened. She's here. Spider-Man sees it on the TV while Mary Jane's out uh, in the kitchen making some dinner for him. You know, you know, I really do like, though, how Spider-Man, the entire, like, through every single issue up until the end here that we're going to go over, he constantly second guesses whether or not he should be involved. Yeah. Because he really does want to get out of it. He yeah. wants to stop being a crime fighter, but, the, but then there's always something that pulls him back in. Yeah. You know, that, it's, it's that whole thing about how, you know, superheroes can't be happy. Yeah. They have to do it, you know, because it's their responsibility. And yeah. uh, I do like how he struggles with it, though, and he brings it up repeatedly. 
throughout these issues. Yeah, and the thing that drags him in is he sees the footage of the innocents that were killed at the restaurant where Silver, um, Silver, where Hammerhead was, where the hit happened on Hammerhead, and people mentioned that a bunch of innocents were killed in the crossfire in the surviving uh, in the blast. And he says, you know, I can't so we just sit having... here. Right. I need to go out. I need to, uh, I need to help out. And then we have this issue. The first issue ends with two epilogues. Uh-huh. The first one is uh, we, we find out that Flash Thompson – well, we find out where Flash Thompson is hanging out at, mm-hmm. at, at Betty's house. Yeah. Betty actually lets him in, and uh, they have a little you know, kissy-kissy, smooch-smooch moment. That's where we find out that Betty is not being faithful to Ned. Who I believe they're still together right now. The they are technically still together, but they're te- they're divorcing. Yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the first epilogue, and the second one is my we favorite. See... Sorry, I froze you in my mind. We see Hobgoblin, and he's floating about, and he sees a dark figure ducking behind a chimney. Sorry, you can go on now. You've un- you've re unfrozen. Okay, cool. So, um, <laughs> so Hobgoblin sees somebody go around the chimney, and he assumes it's Spider Man. He goes, "Spider Man, you can't hide from me, Web Slinger." And when he ends up throwing a bomb, uh, he f- finds out that it act- the, the the smoke of the bomb starts to clear. You've frozen again. I'm gonna every time you freeze, yeah. I'm gonna start talking, and then when I see that you've unfrozen, you can carry on. Go. Okay, so so uh, we find out it's not it's not Spider Man, it is the Punisher, and the Punisher is going to be another player in this war because, as we all know, the Punisher is probably loving the fact that all of these crime lords are killing each other. Yeah. He's like, this is perfect. This is exactly what this city needs. They should all kill each other, all kill the last one, and then everything will be better. Yeah. So we go over to the next issue, 285, 285. which has an excellent Mike Zek cover. Zek draws a great Punisher. He always draws him tattered. And, um, so the Punisher's involved now. Uh, there's, uh, there's a couple of great lines from the Punisher in this one. Um, I think it's still Tom DeFalco writing. Yeah, Tom DeFalco and Jim Olsey are writing. Alan Kupperberg is the artist on this one. There's so many different artists. And, um, so the, we, we open with Hammerhead declaring Great that the arranger must head. die the arranger this must die a... <laughs> yeah this Great is a gr- this is a great one <laughs> we see he's real flathead there's a there's a later issue of uh, daredevil where i think hammerhead is in it and it shows that he has a painting of a hammerhead shark in his prison cell i think it, is. it just made me chuckle of course of course yes yeah. he, he feels an affinity with that um so there he is um He's meeting with Rose, and he's saying we're being we're being taken apart by this guy. You and me have got to team up to take him out. And Rose is very he's presented as being very pragmatic, and he almost doesn't want to do crime. He's like the oh yes, okay, we'll we'll do it. Whatever whatever gets it done. And then when he leaves, he says uh, he says that man. The first thing he says is that man is stuck in an Edward G. Robinson film. Hmm. Um, and he says you know we'll we'll just go along with it. And then the he says, we've got to be careful, though. We don't want the word of an alliance to get out because that could damage our relationship with the arranger. We don't want anything to affect uh, the business side of it. And he's just trying to hes trying to stay as far away from the gang war as he can, mm-hmm. but he's constantly being pulled in because of the nature I like of how, the war. I like how Hammerhead is like, we need to form an alliance to um, you know, to take out the arranger, mm-hmm. and then me and you, we can run everything together 
You'll be my second in command, Rose, and I will be the head honcho. Yeah. How many times have you? Do you think there's ever been a situation where one crime lord has gone to another crime lord and been like, "We need to form an alliance, and I want to be your second in command." Yeah, it's quite rare. <laughs> never. No. It would probably never happen. It would always be, "I think we should join. I'll be the number one. You'll be the number two. No crime lord wants to be number two. Yeah. <laughs> Hammerhead knows where he's. His bread is buttered. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, So Spider-Man ends up uh, breaking up another Blue Boys. uh... Yeah, the Blue Boys are attacking an arcade. Um, And Spider-Man makes some jokes about video games right in your brain. Um, While he's in the room, um, a couple of gunshots take out a couple of the Blue Boys. And he spots Mr. Frank Castle. Um, and I like how whenever whenever the Punisher appears, the superhero is always like, "Oh my God, is he back?" <laughs> it's never like, a, <laughs> <He's back. laughs> "Is that guy out again?" Um, and Spider Man gives chase. Um, it's a great sequence where you see, you know, Spider Man is agile, fast, strong, very able, and at this stage has been superhero for a long time. Punisher it handles it quite well, and you know, gets gets away, uses a bunch of tricks to kind of cover his tracks. The only thing that stops him is Spider-Man spins, uh, fires some of his webbing and catches his arm and says, I'll be back for you. I've got to go. Punisher basically says, there's two guys down in that arcade that are bleeding out. So you've got a choice. You can either arrest me or you can go and help them. So your choice, buddy. And Spider-Man goes, well, I know you're not going anywhere because I just webbed your arm to the wall. See ya. I'll be back for you. <laughs> and... Um, of all people, do you think a little webbing on his wrist could keep Punisher yeah. against that wall? No when, way. No way. When Spider-Man gets back up there, he finds out that the, the, the Punisher basically just cut the sleeve of his shirt off and got away. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then we see Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin is floating around, and he's talking about how the Punisher is back. Um, and even he says that guy's a lunatic. <laughs> it's rich coming from the Hobgoblin. Um, and what I like is that so Jack O' Lantern ends up um, attacking uh, uh, Hammerhead, right? Who is that? He uh, comes out with his guys with Tommy guns. Yeah. And they come out and they start shooting at Jack O' Lantern, and there's like six or seven guns, and Jack O' Lantern is pretty close to them, and not a single one of them can hit him. Yeah. And Jack O' Lantern just kind of. Can Jack Lantern out and Hammerhead's like, no, I'll get you next time. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, no, I'll get you next time. It's, it's such a case. Of, like, I don't know. I just, I just think it's funny. <laughs> We're gonna get you, and then nope, we all miss you. Goodbye. Yeah, but, they, yeah they say, yeah, burn this guy. Oh, we missed him, and then Hammerhead's there going, come back and fight like a man, you freak. And he's like, nope, not getting involved in that one. Um, and then we cut to the arranger again, dealing with people saying. Where's the kingpin? Why are we having to deal with you? And it's starting to get a little bit like people are starting to say, hmm, you know, this isn't working. You're not really holding it together. The kingpin would have dealt with this by now. You're, you're kind of falling apart. Um, yeah, and, and Richard Fisk ends up uh, showing up. And so the arranger is not only in charge of uh, the kingpin's, I guess, his his criminal empire while he's gone. He's also in charge of the the well-being of Vanessa. Yeah. And so uh, Richard Fisk is there to see Vanessa. Yeah. So this is confusing to me, Jamie. Maybe you can explain it. Yeah, actually, I I realize I'm confused because I thought she was in Europe at this point, but I guess this is either post-Europe or... 
Well, that that was not what's what's confusing to me. Right? Is Vanessa his mother? His mother. Yeah. So Vanessa and Kingpin have been together that long. Yeah. Okay. I just I I didn't know I thought that there was more of a I didn't know it was that long of a relationship. Maybe I'm thinking of the Netflix TV show. It's very confusing because of the different ways that it's been presented. But basically, yeah. they've been together for a while, and she. She didn't find out that he was a killer until much until after Richard was born, and that's what she she walks in on him killing someone, and that's when she says, you know, you you've got to change this. Um, but it kind of leaps around because Richard is is a, a grown adult at this stage, so it's obviously something that he's hidden from her for a while, and she's or she's come to accept, or it's it's very confusing. But yeah, well, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, you, you saw the um, animated. Um spider-man movie right the miles morales one yeah mm-hmm. kingpin into the spider-verse yeah yeah into the spider-verse uh was was richard his son in that in, in that one remember it was his wife and son that ended up oh that's a good question yeah i think was, it was was it richard because he was a little boy yeah yeah it's it conf- was... yeah it's, i guess it's been done so many different ways like like how old or how long him and vanessa i guess have been again i don't know yeah Sorry for the sidetrack questions there, but no, they're yeah, important so, questions. Yeah. So anyway, so so um, uh, Richard Fisk shows up and um, sees Vanessa, and we find out that Vanessa doesn't recognize him. So she's going through all yeah. of his. She's all her emotional, she's been heavily sedated. Yeah, she's being sedated by the, the the people who control like the arranger and the doctor that's been left behind. Yeah. Um, Spider Man swings around. He says, "You know, I can't find a Punisher anywhere. Great, I better go to work. I go to work." And he says, yeah, I've got this roll of film that shows at least I can sell this and goes in to see uh, Kate, the um, uh, the editor uh, who's um, bu- 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 I can't remember what her second name is. But he goes to see her and says, hey, I've got some pictures for you. And she's like, yeah, too slow again, buddy. Um, you, I've already got some from the other guy. And you, uh, if you'd come straight here rather than whatever it was that you were doing, uh, taking a coffee break or whatever, then maybe you could have sold me some pictures. But you're too slow. You're becoming you're becoming a bit of a deadbeat, actually, to be honest. And he says, "Oh, damn it! I shouldn't have been looking for the Punisher, but I have to look for the Punisher. I really need to get into another line of work." Someone calls him, um, um, uh, and something who is and and Macintosh who is covering for Betty. Betty called in sick. And, uh, and the, um, she says, you know, Betty called in sick. Um, but, but that's, but she's not that sick. If you catch my drift, he says, no, I don't really know what you're talking about. She says, well, what with her marriage falling apart and the police hunting down Flash Thompson, her boyfriend, it's no wonder. I bet her husband and Ned call. I bet her husband Ned calls in sick tomorrow, though. He's in Robbie's office now, getting chewed out. And Robbie's shouting at Leeds, and he's saying, "You know, I've got this story that I'm trying to do. You keep putting me on this other thing, but I'm trying to uncover this great conspiracy story that I've got. Uh, that is, it's a. Um, he says, you know, I'm always being overshadowed by." Ben Urich, I just got this really good story. I need some resources to get it done. It's a big, big, big story. It's my Pulitzer, please. And he says, uh, we're trying to run a paper, son, not win prizes. And it talks about a... Oh, yeah, it's a I call. like Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> I like Robbie. Robbie, straight to the point. No kids, sorry. Can't yeah. do this. 
He says, all I need is a certain... This, this is the key part. He says, yeah, this, this is the key. Yeah. All I need is certain information on Soviet spy activities during the Cold War in the early 60s, and I'll be ready to let you in. And Robbie's like, just tell me now. And he said, no, I can't. I really can't tell you. I just need that information without the facts. It'll sound like a bad spy novel. Um, when I get that stuff, I'll give it to you. It's, it's, it'll be bulletproof at that point. Ulrich walks in and uh, and says, oh, sorry. And, and Robbie says, it's okay. Uh, Ned's done here anyway. Um, and then... Eric mentions that well, Hammerhead has put uh, out a contract on the Arranger. Yes, that, yeah, exactly. That's what. That's the whole point of that is that Ben is letting is letting Spider Man know. Yeah, Spider Man is overhearing that this is happening, and um, and and Ned as well, who at this stage we still think could be the Hobgoblin. Can you hear me? I can. Yes. Sorry, I think I cut out there for a second. You did. Um, I cut. But I, I think. Oh, you did. No, thank you. I think it's funny that like throughout several of these issues, it's all Hammerhead trying to get back at the Arranger for trying to blow him up. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of funny when you think about it. I'm gonna get you Arranger. Yeah. So so I'll now Hammerhead is yeah he's put out the contract on the Arranger. Yeah. And Spider Man's got to go stop it. Yeah. And that's it. This we see Hammerhead with one of his uh, lackeys talking about. Uh, he says everything's set. The Arranger's called a general meeting of all the Kingpin's lieutenants for tomorrow. My boys have stayed the air out. We can finally nail him. And uh, you sure, Mo? You real sure? I'm real sure. I'm real sure. And he throws him down. He says, you better be, pal. I've got a lot riding on this. The Rose will have to let the hit go down. Says anything. If he says anything, everybody's going to know it was in on it from the beginning. Yeah, he's got to sit back and watch me blow the arranger's face off. And then the Rose himself will be next. So Hammerhead so is making a big play. Yeah, and Hammerhead can tell that the Rose is probably not going to take him up on his offer Yeah, uh, from earlier. So now this takes us across town to the Punisher. This is one of the coolest things ever, Jamie. I'm sure you noticed this. Uh-huh. So the Punisher also has sources, and his sources tell him that that uh, Hammerhead is um, put the head out on the Arranger. So he knows what's going on. So yeah. we know that Spider-Man and Punisher are going to be showing up at the same <laughs> spot. But what I thought was so awesome was that, that he actually took off his – his uh, the Punisher took off his shirt to strap something to his chest, right? Mm-hmm. Then he puts on his superhero outfit back again, but he puts on the same outfit that he had on earlier when with the sleeve uh, cut off. With the sleeve cut off, <laughs> so the Punisher Punisher's all one armed at the moment. Only his outfit, which is kind of a good look for him. It's very nineties. Yeah, it is. He's got one sleeve that's missing, and I just think it's hilarious because the Punisher seems like the, the type of superhero that doesn't care about personal hygiene. Yeah. He doesn't care about it. You know, like Daredevil <laughs> does. Daredevil would have several outfits, and he wouldn't put a sweaty one back on. You mm-hmm. know that about him. Yeah. Look at his bathtub that we found out in that graphic yeah. novel. It's a, it's a fabulous bathtub. Well, his senses so, would be overrun with the smell of the, right. his own sweat, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Punisher, there's a great sequence where the Punisher basically is like, I'm going to take all these guys out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got a rocket launcher (laughs) in a suitcase. I'm going to get up to a perch. I'm going to watch him walking in. And sure enough, he sees uh, Rose walking in and he's got the rocket launcher aimed right at him. And just as he's about to fire, Spider-Man webs the front of the rocket launcher and pulls it up. So the rocket flies up into the sky and explodes. Everybody freaks out because they think it's a double cross from everywhere. And um, the arranger basically says, get me out of here. Jack Lantern comes flying in. Hobgoblin comes flying in. Everybody opens fire. There's a lot of people dying. Um, Rose and the arranger are pretty much standing there. Um, 
and and the ranger says you know i had everything under control um and rose basically says let's let's work together it's it's falling apart mm-hmm. let's put our teams together and um, he makes Hobgoblin and Jack-O-Lantern shake hands and says, you know, we'll we'll talk about this later when Hobgoblin starts to question him. And um, a ranger says, we better get out of here. The police are on the way. We cut back onto the roof where Spider-Man and the Punisher are having their fight. Um, you know, there's, uh, Punisher's using a lot of gas to try and knock people out, so he's wearing a mask. Um, he's just shooting wildly and that's when he hits the, the chest thing that he was putting on, which was the gas. He releases the gas and knocks Spider-Man out. That's when he's okay. Um, and then he escapes. And he says this thing, it's great, it's typical. Uh, he, he knocks um, Spider-Man out and uh, he says, uh, sorry I had to do that to you, Spider-Man, but I can't let you capture me. Not while there's crime in the streets. Not while the war goes on and leaves. All about the war is our Frank. All about the war. <laughs> yeah. So there was no there was no Daredevil in that one, but it was still a fun issue. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, one. It, it was very fun. Yeah. Um, so that takes us to issue two eighty six, Gang War Part Three, Thy Father Son, and uh, we get a little recap of what happened to Spider. Mm. Yeah, we joined Spider Man unconscious on the roof, Come and uh, Sp- Spider Man ends up you know waking up you know with the, with the headache everything, and then the cops show up, and of course as Jamie mentioned earlier, Spider Man is not in a good position with the cops mm-hmm. right now, so uh, Spider Man hightails it out of there. We're down back down at the ground level where we've got the Rose and um, uh, some of his people, and uh, mm-hmm. they are they're trying to get away it. from the cops, yeah, from as well. Hobgoblin yeah. and from the cops too. And Hobgoblin makes it causes a distraction that drags the police away so the Rose can get away. Um, uh-huh. And then Spider-Man causes his own distraction. And... I like how Spider-Man takes out the cops. Do you see how he takes out the cops? So yeah. the, the way that he's able to get away from the police officers on the rooftop is he literally webs their ankles and throws them up in the air. It's kind <laughs> of a vicious way. I mean, that's got to hurt going yeah. down. Yeah, he flips them, flips them over, and then he jumps over a helicopter, which is a classic Spidey move. Mm-hmm. And uh, then bounces swings, off of a flagpole, bounces off a flagpole and swings yeah. away. And then um, uh, uh, Lance Banyan, we see Lance Bannon. Sorry, mm-hmm. we say Banyan. Uh, the cops call him Banyan. He's at the. He's at. He says, "I'm from the Daily Bugle. I'm here to see someone." And we we're introduced to a sergeant. Sergeant, what's his name? Talk. Sergeant Talk, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just talk, yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, Francis Talk, Sergeant Francis Talk, who looks like a real undercover cop, he says, mm-hmm. hey, Bannon, come with me. I've got something to show you. Um, and gives him some information. Um, and then we see um, Rose is out so right I, I like this bike. part. The- yeah, so so Rose is chilling, reading a newspaper. Yeah, just, he, yeah he's riding his bike or, or his bike around um, uh, Central Park, mm-hmm. and just stops at a bench and reads a newspaper. Yeah, and meets Dina. And he, you know, because yeah, he's, he's and he looks good. He's wearing his uh, he's wearing a nice red tracksuit. He's got some he's got a killer headband on. I think headbands so are he, very popular at this time because everyone seems oh, yeah. to be wearing one. Yeah, well, he was working out, so it was stopping sweats. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Dina shows up, and um, uh, she shows up with her bike, and uh, she had the flat tire, and uh, it's so funny. Uh, 
he's, he has a wrench on him, right? Mm-hmm. So he tells Dinah, here's a wrench, go help yourself. He doesn't do like the, the nice gesture of fixing the, uh, or helping her fix the flat tire. Yeah. He lets her do it herself. And she seems. She seems very capable. She seems sassy. She gives a little, uh, the, little lip to him. He gives a little back. So, yeah, there's a little flirty moment. And then uh-huh. they end up going to uh, lunch together. And then at the end of their lunch date, she very bluntly says, take me to your place. Yeah. So it must be nice being Mr. Rose. Yeah. And then we see Spider-Man, who was still feeling the effects of the gas, uh, fell asleep in an alley with a homeless guy, slept with a spooned with a homeless guy in the yeah. alley, and wakes up oh and no, says, oh no, the smell, the cold air. <laughs> and he says, great, I've got to get out of here. I'm, uh, he says, uh, 11 yeah, hours 11, of sleep. 11 hours of sleep. When was yeah. the last time you had 11 hours of sleep, Jim? I don't think I've ever had 11 hours of sleep and, in my and life. And not only that, he had 11 hours of sleep, and he's still feeling the effects of the Punisher's yeah. gas, so he's still tired. Yeah, Man. so he, he jumps into a cab. Um, no, actually he gets on the subway, doesn't he? He goes on the subway. Mm-hmm. And then he gets home and he stumbles Dude, in. I just wanted to say, sorry to interrupt. Uh, while he's on the subway, mm-hmm. going going back to M, uh, or not M.A., going back to his place with mm-hmm. MJ, he's got, in his thought bubble, he goes, I wonder if Captain America has days like this. <laughs> it's just a shot of him riding with people. And the best part of it is, if you look at everybody in the subway, nobody's looking at him. No Nobody one cares. cares that it's a guy in no a Spider-Man one cares. Yeah. They're all just minding their own business. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets funny. home. He gets home and he climbs up on the roof and says, "I'm going to sleep for a week." And he climbs in and finally MJ says, "You're here." But I'm, I was so worried. And he, this is where he's being a bit of a jerk to. He's like, yeah. "She's still here. Doesn't she ever go home?" God. Um, She's just being playful. She wants to yeah. spend some time with good old Peter Parker. Uh, and then he says, "You know, I'm feeling I'm feeling rough because things are going bad out there." And. Uh, and then uh, they kind of play around a little bit. And then she, she peeks in while he's getting in the shower and compliments his buns. Um, and then we uh, we see... Uh, we see why um, Colt, or not Colt, uh, Torque, Torque, why Torque wanted Bannon to, to yeah. come around because he's trying to uh, get some, um, some like, undercover... Yeah, he's getting some intel from uh, like, Honest Vince. Um, and he like, says, uh, he says, there's a meeting tonight in Jackson Heights, midnight, the Rose, you know, that weird kid with the purple mask. You can have a sit down with the leaders of the new blue boy gang. I want to, I want you to shoot them all dead talk. So that's pretty, I didn't realize talk was that, uh, that rough. And then, uh, Bannon, who is also set up as being the, the, um, uh, what do you call it? The the hobgoblin, kind of implying that he might be the hobgoblin as well. He says, "I'm busy tonight. I've got something else to do." And talk says, "You got to come if you want to get these pictures." He's the guy who was up in the rafters. He's the guy who's always a step ahead of Peter. We see Rose and Rose and Dina are quite happy now. They've kind of yeah, like they they move pretty fast. So yeah, they're in a, a long term relationship. <laughs> yeah. He, he's wearing uh, he's wearing his robe and reading Time magazine. Yeah. And we find out here. Well, Dinah finds out that that he is the Rose because yeah. his Rose mask is just there. 
and she, um, through the dialogue, kind of figures out that he's involved with crime. Yeah. And she asks him if he ever has killed anybody, and he says no one who didn't deserve it. Yeah, he says I've only killed so. criminals. And it's kind of funny that like he doesn't like even he doesn't even look look Dina either you know this is who I am like I don't I don't give a crap if you like it or not yeah. stick around if you want go if you want to but this is me and and Dina ends up sticking around yeah it's um, good thing he had that wrench it's good thing he had that wrench and and didn't try and leap in to help her and and yeah. could get him coffee. Um, <clears throat> Peter's still fast asleep. He's sleeping off the effects still. And Lance Bannon comes knocking on the door and says, uh, wow, Mary Jane, you're here. That's weird. Uh, you know, weird to see you here considering that Peter Parker's such a zero and all. He says, keep it down. He says, I've got a tip for him. Hot tip. There's a big gangland meet going down tonight and I've got other plans. Drop a sign. Dropping assignments like this isn't my style. I worked hard to get this little tip. Um, but make sure he's there to at least take pictures of it. And, then we and get Mary Jane chooses to not wake him up. Yeah, she hides the fact not, that the tip is there yeah, from him. Yeah, because she doesn't want him to go out because it's that whole classic. She's she's worried about him. She's worried that he's going to get hurt. She's worried that he's already hurt. And um, Decide, or she decides not to tell him. But this c- comes to affect like getting injured and hurt. And yeah. Mary Jane, you know, she didn't tell him. And if she would have told him, maybe he could have prevented it. So, yeah, you know, um, now she's got a little guilt. Now we have our first actual appearance of, uh, of Matt Murdock on the phone. We don't actually see him. He phones up and says, Peter, it's Matt Murdock. I need to see you right away. Meet me at midnight atop the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. Am I saying that right? Verrazano Narrows Bridge. Come alone. Peter says, is he kidding? His, and then, so Mary Jane hides the tip, but Peter's already got another call. And then someone who looks like Ronald Reagan. is it, it's, it's showing, it's showing Rose to go see uh, Vanessa again. And this time, Vanessa actually recognizes Rose, yeah. which, which causes um, him to get super excited. But then uh, the doctor comes in, takes yeah. Rose away. And um, sorry, Richard takes Richard yeah. away and ends up giving her more medication, more sedation. Yeah, and, and says you've and, been very bad, Vanessa. Yeah, this, um, this is not going to this, this is not going to go over well. No. So um, Aunt May Aunt May is uh, at her place, and Peter is over there and had dinner with Aunt May, and he's still thinking about how he needs to go out to go meet with Daredevil later. Yeah, and uh, and then it starts to rain quarter to midnight. Everyone's talking about meeting. Uh, ba- uh, 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 what's his name? Talk is up, mm-hmm. trying to be seen, basically trying to get out in the open so that the yeah, bad everything guys. Everything has led up to this big showdown where Hammerhead's going to take out the Arranger. Yeah, and then uh, Hobgoblin and Jack Lantern burst in together. Um, someone who looks like uh, uh, Anthony Perkins is in there next to someone who looks like Charles Bronson. <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> guest stars in this. Yeah. Um, and then um, the 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 floating bad guys float around and blow things up. Um, Spider Man finds himself waiting on a bridge for Daredevil, and he doesn't show, and he's he getting angry. Up. He was stood like up. A man without fear. Uh, Rose says, "I've got to go. I've got a meeting to take care of." Uh, to he's Dina. talking to Dino. Yeah, to Dino. Yeah. And he says, will you be here when I get back? And she says, maybe. Um, and 
uh, Talk is desperately trying to be seen so that they're called the whole thing off. He doesn't want to start killing people. And he starts making noise and going, ooga booga, ooga, come on, you goons, I'm right here. And uh, they're about to uh, about to fire a rocket. In fact, they do fire a rocket and send him bouncing. And he says, okay, we've got to get all units here. Everybody get into town. Something's happening. Oh. Um, and then Spider-Man swings by a phone booth and phones up Mary and says, did anyone call uh, called Matt phone for me? And uh, and MJ says, it's, it's terrible. Huge explosions, fires, and now gunfires between the gangs. It's all my fault. Lance Bannon came here with a tip about the meeting in Jackson Heights. And I didn't give you the message. And now look what's happened. And Spider-Man swings off and goes to see if he can help police. Uh, but basically the police are like, get off my car or I will arrest yeah. you. When he swings yeah. by and says, can I help? <laughs> um, and then Rose, is, Rose stops and is about to get out of the car. Um, and then a, a, one policeman says, hey, if you seriously want to help us, uh, I'll get you there. And I'll get you through. There's a, like a cordon that's happened. And he's trying to get to Jackson Heights. And he says, jump on the car and I'll drive you there. Um, lots of gangland fighting going on while Spider-Man mm-hmm. rides atop this police car. He finally gets there. And jack lantern says, nope, I didn't sign up to fight Spider-Man. I'm out. And Hobgoblin's like, Hobgoblin is like, you're a coward. I'm going to take him out. And Hobgoblin and Spider-Man get into a, a fight. Um, I do want to say one thing though, like the um, it, while everyone is shooting at each other, Rose ends up getting hit yeah. in the arm. Yeah, he ends up getting a ricochet bullet that ends up hitting his um, his arm. He actually lets off quite a cry, a yar <laughs> cry, yeah. uh, from being shot. Um, anyway, so the fight is is happening. Um, Hobgoblin ends up, le- or sorry, um, Jack O' Lantern left, like Jamie said. Hobgoblin yeah. and Spider Man are throwing blows. It's rain. Like the artwork is pretty cool here because that was cool. It, it's like the rain is just taking up so much of the panel. Yeah. Usually they're drawn a lot thinner and not over the top. Yeah, I mean it goes into oh, nine. It goes figures. into a nine panel grid really quickly, and there's like five or six pages of nine panel grids which show that it's like a lot is going on. It's really dense and it's really hard mm-hmm. to follow what's going on because of the rain, which is kind of like what's happening for these characters where it's really hard to follow what, what's going on for them. They're getting into fights. Um, and, so, and so Spider-Man, Spider-Man ends basically up, says to the Hobgoblin, I'm not going to fight you. I'm here to save people. Go away, right. you weirdo. I'm not interested. So, <laughs> so Hobgoblin leaves and then Rose, as I mentioned before, who was shot in the arm is starting to kind of like lose it in his head because he probably has never felt pain before. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, he's running through the street and he ends up running up to a police officer. This yeah. is a young guy, probably been on the force for less than a year. He has his gun pointed out and he goes, put your hands up where I can see him. And Rose is kind of a little bit panicky. You know, and meanwhile, you got Spider-Man saving a kid from a burning building and Rose is looking at this police officer and, um, He's nervous. He's, he's not thinking straight, and he ends up shooting him and mm-hmm. killing him. Yeah. And this is key because because um, he's never killed anybody um, himself. No. Before he's always, he's always tried always, to stay away from crime, and, and he stay away from the blood. He has killed people through his having his men do it, but he's never actually committed the crime. So this. This is a, he's now entered a now of he, villainy. Yeah, this is a big moment for him. This is like him now becoming a, a full-on bad guy, which is a step he never wanted to take. 
Um, and the issue, the, the epilogue on this issue is you've got two things happening. On the top half of the page, you have you have um, Spider-Man going back to his place with um, uh, with Mary Jane being there, feeling terrible because she realizes she should have told him to begin with what was going on because he could have maybe saved more lives because yeah. a lot of people died in the crossfire of this war. And yeah. then in the bottom half, half you. We've got Dinah on the news watching what's going on, and then Rose shows up. Um, Richard does, and Richard needs her now. Because remember, throughout the first time, like every time that we've seen uh, Dina and Rose together earlier, he's seemed like, oh, whatever, you can hang on my shoulder, I don't care about you. But now he needs somebody. He doesn't have a mother figure to help, you know, he needs someone to mother him to make him feel better yeah. for what he just did. And so he, like, goes to her and is kind of crying and feels so upset, and then she has this look in her eyes like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Like my life has changed. Uh, is this bad? Yeah. I don't know. Is this good? <laughs> yeah. And while, while, while both of these stories is going, uh, uh, happening, you have the news report coming in about the rookie cop being shot. Um, mm -hmm. And both Spider-Man, Spider-Man hears it after he's just said, he says, you know, I'm beat. I'm so tired. I worked so hard to make sure everyone was okay. But I think I actually did some good tonight and nobody died. And that's when the report comes in. And, and like you said, um, Richard gets to Dina and says, you know, I, I, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. I, I was only trying to wing him. I messed up my aim. I'm so stupid he was going to arrest me. He hunted me like a common thief. I need a doctor. And that's when Dina makes the choice. Um, we jump then to issue 286, which actually has Daredevil, the man without fear, on the cover. Yes. The reason why we're talking about yeah, this. It's a great uh, Kyle Baker cover. I love Kyle Baker's work. Um, and it's it's Spider-Man looming over Daredevil saying, stay down, Daredevil. If I have to go through you to stop the Kingpin, I will. Um, this artwork is by Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Yeah. Who, and it's great. Yeah. And even, start, even the first page is amazing. We got a splash page. Um, it's kind of fun that we're getting back into splash pages. Mm -hmm. We really didn't get a lot of that with Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a full on. Uh, it's a full on splash of Spider Man swinging, angry. He's going through Daredevil. Yeah. yeah, he's going around Hell's Kitchen. He's trying to find why Daredevil set him up to avoid to miss that thing. He says, uh, you know, he's he's like. A few days ago, I got a call from Matt Murdock. He asked me to meet him atop the Verrazano Bridge at midnight. Made it sound like life and death, and like a dope, I fell for it. While I was in Brooklyn, a gangland hit went down in Jackson Heights. Innocent people were hurt, and I could have prevented that. I would have prevented that if not for that, for DD's boneheaded stunt. Sometimes I just can't figure that guy Daredevil. So aloof, so scary. He operates under his own odd sense of logic. He pretends to be blind when he actually has a kind of radar sense, paranormal heightened sense that allows him to see better than most people with sight. Nice fill-in there, Spider-Man. Thank you for getting everybody up to speed on the character. And then he mentions, ever since uh, we both discovered each other's secret IDs during the Cine business, which was which we covered in a previous uh, podcast back in P-Pog, Spectacular Spider-Man 110, um, the guy has my phone number he on the other hand recently underwent some pretty heavy changes and now is living somewhere in hell's kitchen which of course is the born again storyline so we, we get a great little recap of where these guys are at and he's swinging around looking for him um, while he's there he sees some kids uh, involved in some illegal stuff and spider-man swings down breaks in and says oh boy they're all teenagers teenage thugs with uzis wonderful gets shot at knocks one of them out one of them pulls out a knife he knocks him out 
Uh, one of them's grabbing the money and the drugs and is going to run. And he's just like, what is going on here? You know, and the key, too, is that he is kind of angry now. Yeah. And the, the whole Daredevil thing has upset him, obviously. But, like, he even at one point says this stinks. And he takes his fist and breaks a table yeah. uh, uh, in there with that had the drugs on it. And he's just upset. He's kind of flying by a little angry like. Yeah. Yeah. And, we're, we, and then we bounce over to uh, Richard. Richard is driving around in his Lamborghini. I don't know cars very well. Is that a Lamborghini or a Ferrari? Um, it doesn't really look like it either. It looks like a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, but he's not driving. He's actually letting Dina drive. Dina's driving. He is, he's chilling as a passenger. Yeah. And he meets up with... Uh, Alfredo. Alfredo, is, Alf- he's kind of his right-hand Alfredo. man. Yeah. Alfredo Morelli. And, and they get a, Yeah, and they have a fun little scene where they're walking together mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, Richard is actually paying um, paying Alfredo yeah. uh, for uh, for what he's going to do. Yeah, you remember Alfredo was the guy who who built the Alfredo was the guy who built the Dead Devil mask for Richard in that What If story. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so so Richard and Alfredo are out walking around, um, uh, conducting their business, and go up against a homeless. Yeah, they bump into a homeless guy, and Alfredo gives him a watch and yeah. and uh, a Rolex. Um, and um, and uh, uh, Richard goes, "Why did you do that? That thing was worth so much money." And he goes, "Because I'm doing us all a favor. He's going to take that watch that homeless person is, and he's going to go buy drugs, and he's going to take that drugs. He's probably he's going to get a lot of money. And yeah. one or two, yeah, two or three people are going to end up ODing and dying because they have, they've never had this much drugs before. And then I just helped." rid the world of some of the bad people in it. Some of the homeless people I got rid of, I'm helping solve the problem. Um, it's an interesting way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a, uh, uh, libertarian way of thinking. He's like, I've and also to, you know, and, and, uh, Richard at this point is kind of explaining like, you know, why he does what he does and how his goals are changing now that he's mm-hmm. killed somebody. And he's starting to second guess, you know, what he's doing as the Rose. Yeah. Yeah, he's starting to have doubts. Yeah, and Richard is kind of saying, "Look, we it needs people like us. Don't don't second guess yourself." Um, Peter's. Uh, we go over to Aunt May's he house. Is making some lunch for the boys. She's making lunch and she's hanging out. There's Homer Chekhov. Uh, he's talking about tax reform. Um, uh, and then um, you know, there's a bunch the, the people that live with with Aunt May, all the the, the lodgers. There, they're eating lunch, they're having fun, they're talking. And then there's a knock at the door, or I should say the doorbell rings because it's not really a knock. And it is Matthew Murdoch. And um, Peter kind of chokes and says, Excuse me, we should go for a walk. They step outside and uh, they jump into a cab. Um, and of course, um, uh, Aunt May knows Peter, be- uh, knows Matt because of the stuff with her. Paramore back then, the guy who accidentally killed the uh, went to kill the guys on the train with his gun, who was uh, who was mugged, and uh, I can't remember the, the guy's name, but um, Peter gets into a cab with Matt, and there, and he basically reams him. He says, "I know, know major reaming. Do happening. not ever come yeah. here. Do not ever yeah. cross the line. You're you're <laughs> you're. I'm really pissed off with you at the moment." Um, and then he basically said, and. And Matt says, I needed you out of the way. I needed your interference out of the way. This gang war, um, every time you've interfered, you've prolonged the gang war. You have to stop. 
there's something bigger going on. We we don't need you blundering around creating a bigger mess. And Peter says, "That's it. Stop the car. I'm getting out." And the guy says, "Are you crazy? We're on the Grand, we're on the Grand Central, which is a bridge, I guess." Yeah. And uh, Peter's just like, "I've got to get out. I got to get out. I got to get out. Just stop it." Um, he kicks the door <laughs> kicks of the taxi. The door. And what's great is is that Matt ends up going out with him, and yeah. the two of them have a fight on the street, and then the uh, the, the the taxi driver ends up. He's uh, they they fall out on the street. Matt hits him across the face, across the bridge of his nose, but his spider sense makes him roll with it. And the taxi driver says, "Hey, stop beating up a blind man, kid. Get out of it." Yeah. Gets back in the cab and drives off, leaving Peter on the bridge. And he and Peter actually says, "I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I got that worked up." Mm-hmm. Um, then we see Alfredo doing what he does. He's got a bunch of listening devices on various telecom lines and wires that he's been tracking. <laughs> Excuse and me. I love this. So the hobgoblin ends up. Some great artwork here. Mm-hmm. Hobgoblin ends up swinging by and picking him up. And uh, as we know, hobgoblin um, uh, quit and is no longer working for the mm-hmm. Rose anymore. Mm-hmm. And he picks up Alfredo and literally drops him into the water. Yeah, he says, "Tell me what you're going to do, or I'll drop you." And he says, "Yep, um, uh, you're." he's flying along and he says, I'll, I'll drop you unless you tell me what's going on. And then he hands him the listening advice. No, he, he, he basically, does he, does he drop him or? Oh yeah, he does. Him. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. He goes and he throws him into the water. Yeah. He throws him into the water, but Alfredo twists and manages to dive in without getting too badly hurt. And says he tries to kill me. Um, then we have a moment where Peter is awoken by a knock at the door. It's Ned Leeds. Seems like all Peter's doing is sleeping. Yeah, Peter's (laughs) sleepy at the moment. Um, And Ned says, I've got a job for you. My contact tells me the Kingpin is coming back to New York tonight. Like it or not, the Kingpin is a stabilizing influence over this town's underworld. This is after he's got the information that the Kingpin's coming back from Alfredo, the Hobgoblin did. So this is more of that. Is Ned the Hobgoblin or does he just know him? Right, and he mentions that there's going to be uh, kingpins coming in. That the police are going to let it happen. Uh, he says, "Oh, I usually use Bannon on these things, but he's disappeared." Um, Bannon, of course, who we saw passing on the tip in the last issue. Um, he says, "Look, Ned, I appreciate this, but last time we talked, we weren't really friends." And Ned says, "Look, I've been under a lot of pressure lately, Betty and I splitting up and all that, but you've always been all right in my book." And then we see. Um, Hobgoblin flying away on his glider. And who is that that's talking to? Oh, is that? Uh, bu- 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 I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I'm looking at it and I can't work out. Um, it's Lance Bannon. Lance Bannon is talking to Roderick. Well, we don't Kingsley. know who it is because they're, yeah, until. It, yeah, until yeah. Betty uh, bumps into him. Mm-hmm. And then um, yes, what brings you by today? Yeah. Oh, Mary Jane. Uh, do, do oh, it's Mary you, Jane. Man. Sorry, yeah, because it, it, yeah, because hey, Mary Jane. Uh, you, know, Lance is really like it's really starting to think that he might be um, Hobgoblin. Yeah, he's it's trying to it's like really yeah. they keep it's setting really up really Ned and it. Lance, Ned and Lance. Who, which one's Hobgoblin? And it's right. and it's constantly it's it's kind of a, a cool thing that they did with that character where they just kept kept you guessing who it was again and again and again mm-hmm. um then 
We, we go to Hell's Kitchen. At, yeah, and this is a cool little. So we, we've got um, Matt Murdock, and, and we've uh-huh. he's with uh, with Karen. Yeah, and then you've got um, Sam, aka Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam Wilson, aka yeah. the Falcon. Yes. Um, and then you've got uh, uh, um, who is who's the other? I forget. I, it, is, is it who's, Melvin? Is it Melvin Poor? It really looks like Melvin Potter, but yeah. I don't think they ever say say the name. Yeah, I think it's Melvin. Um, well, anyway, so so Torque shows up, and he's uh, yeah. Torque shows up. His hair is on as wild. Yeah. yeah, is that Melvin? I can't. Remember I think it's is. it's it's either Doctor Druid or Melvin Potter. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, say it's, it's Melvin Potter. Who knows? I think it's but, him but, because but, he's he's talking about some. So he's got some like blueprints and he says i'll have this ready on time matthew yeah but but see the key oh uh, of, yeah it's it is melvin potter i know why is, now he's building why? the suit for yeah yes that's yeah. right uh, yeah that's right he's building the suit that we the the greatest moment in we'll in a little bit but no what <laughs> i want um the key here and this is a big key is that um peter parker or um spider-man is trying to stop the kingpin from coming back in yeah. and taking control of everything. And Matt Murdock actually wants kingpin to come back in because it, he is not technically done. It. He's, yeah. He's, he's not technically done anything wrong, but there's a gang war going on. That's getting people hurt. And Matt wants yeah, that. To he feels, and, and Matt feels that dared uh, that kingpin needs to come back and take control over everything mm-hmm. again. And then once he's in control and this and this crazy gang war stops, then through the right correct channels, then um, they should try to take Kingpin down. Mm-hmm. And, and Spider-Man is thinking the opposite. Like, no, we just got to stop him. This is our chance. He's weak. He's out of control. And, and, and Matt's like, no, he hasn't done anything wrong. When he does something wrong, don't you worry, I'll be there, which is kind of funny because he's done lots of things wrong. And so far, lots of people have died because of that. Yeah. But I understand <laughs> where Matt's coming from. And that's kind of where the two sides are between Spider-Man and Matt. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing. So Matt and his team with Sam Wilson and Torque and in uh, the suit that's being made <laughs> is they are going to um, find a way to trick Spider-Man into not stopping the kingpin from coming into town and getting back into the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Spider-Man goes off on his own and uh, sees the police. Um, uh, what do you call it? The the uh, escort of a limo that's carrying the kingpin into town. He takes out a couple of the policemen just by webbing them up, and then stops the car and outsteps the kingpin and. Uh, he says, uh, the police won't stop you. The politicians won't stop you. None of your hoodlum enemies will stand up to you. You've got it all sewn up, don't you? And he's getting angry and angry. And Kingpin pulls out a, a huge gun and uh, starts firing. And Spider-Man avoids all of the shots. And he says, no, you know, no gun is no match for my spider sense and natural speed. Um all that fat's making you senile. They always, it's so, they're always just fat and fat jokes for Kingpin. <laughs> you think, 
you think it's, it, it'd either be like, I don't, they don't bother me anymore, or people would just be like, you know, we're being really, really rude right now. Um, but, but Jamie, it, it's pure muscle too. It's, not it's even pure that. muscle, exactly. So Spider-Man gets a good punch in, knocks him down. Kingpin gets up and gets one of his own punches in, which actually hurts um, Spider-Man. <clears throat> and, and then his reveal, he's, he's let out some gas, which has affected his spider sense. And he says, that was no ordinary gun. It shot miniature gas grenades at me, releasing this strange mist, some kind of nerve gas jamming my spider sense. Wait, something isn't right here. Now that I see your face in the light, and Spider-Man grabs Kingpin's face, rips it off, and it's a mask. And it is my favorite panel of the, the entire <laughs> storyline. Daredevil in a fat suit, and you have... You have Kingpin's body with Daredevil's little head, and he punches and knocks Spider-Man down, and he says, uh, "Sorry to have to do this to you, Spider-Man. You're forcing this action. You're your own worst enemy." And now, Spider-Man gets knocked out by the gas, and the the actual Kingpin can come in. Sp- uh, Daredevil reveals himself. Uh, he says, "Is this just a game to you, like our meeting?" And he says, "There's a lot you don't understand, Spider-Man. I don't like the Kingpin any more than you, but the law is the law." Don't lecture me, you self-righteous jerk. And Spider-Man does that thing where he gets angry and it makes it hard to fight him. And Daredevil kind of holds his own and manages to... Uh... So so this is a big fight between Daredevil yeah. and Spider-Man. It actually goes on over a few pages. Yeah, it's... A, four it's... pages. And, and you know, um, Spider-Man ends up to, to try to get an advantage back because Daredevil had, you know, used the gas to make Spider-Man weaker. Mm-hmm. Because everybody, I mean, you know, very few people in a fight, you know, who would win between Spider-Man and Daredevil. Very few people would pick Daredevil. Yeah, Spider-Man know? is physically stronger than, yeah, than almost and anyone. They're, and they're both, you know, Spider-Man is just as agile as Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he starts to web up bits of Daredevil. He At first he webs his eyes and goes, that wasn't smart. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up webbing an arm down. Yeah. But Daredevil, you know, is able to swing with one arm and, and uses two legs. And it's a really cool fight. Yeah. Um, and then it ends when all of a sudden a bullet comes straight at Spider-Man and good old Matt Murdock with his trusty billy club. Good thing he still had one arm free. Mm-hmm. He ends up swatting the bullet away yeah. and saving uh, Spider-Man's life. And Spider-Man's like, how on earth did you do this? Yeah. And, and then now, now they're chums again, they're friends again, and then they realize that maybe they, maybe they should have just talked about it first instead of trying to like trick each other. And you know, maybe it would have been nice to just kind of handle it like civilized adults, which is you know wouldn't have been near as fun. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, while this is all happening, while the decoy was set in place, Kingpin goes to a different entrance in a, in a taxi, and ends up being arriving and going home, and. Um, uh, and uh, the arranger is there to meet him, and the hobgoblin shows up, mm-hmm. and he gives him a package, telling um, Kingpin, "Look, I know who the Rose is. Yeah, his secret identity is in this envelope. Yeah, and Kingpin. Uh, so then, the hobgoblin leaves. Hobgoblin kind of comes down and says, like, he contacted him when he was in Europe, and and uh, in and he uh, he meets with the arranger and he says here's that information i want you to destroy it's useless to me i already know who the rose is and i'm going to use very soon i shall use that knowledge to destroy him um, oh boy family oh boy. family trouble happening here we yeah, go over christmas as well <clears throat> i know 
Um, All right, one last issue. Thank you for bearing with us, everybody. We're at hour. We're at hour two right now. Yeah. Oof. Here we go. This one's a long one. We're going to go on for about at least another hour. No, we won't. Um, <laughs> so this is the last issue. It's the uh, Gang War Part Five: The Conclusion of the War, and it starts with a nice cover which features all of our heroes, um, and and then some. You got Spider Man. Um, is that Black Cat? Um, and. Uh, Falcon and uh, Daredevil, and the, they're facing off against the Kingpin. And Kingpin, yeah, it's a great cover. Yeah, and and when you go to the first page, you get a, a newspaper headline: "Gang War Rages On." Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man swinging by, yawning. <laughs> it's like how um, in the middle of the um, the words on the print on the page, yeah, or on on the uh, not not they're not headlines, they're kind of written in between the actual um, story. What is it on a newspaper? The story is it's written the inside headline the story. And then the copy and the... Yeah, the copy. That's the right word. In the copy is where you find out who scripted it, who did the pencils, yeah. who did the inks. Um, Alan uh, Kupenberg did the pencils and mm-hmm. uh, Jim Fern did the inks. Jim Alzey on the script. Um, but you get an amazing two-page spread after this page, which sums everything up. And it, it's just, it's fun. It's just so yeah. fun. You see Spider-Man jumping in and fighting uh, Hammerhead and the Arranger. The Arranger. There's another character. I don't know who that is. I don't Uh, know who that is either. Yeah, but it's cool. Like everybody is in there, and everyone is in it once, with the exception of Spider-Man, who is swinging through all of it. Yeah. Um, It's it's a really cool, cool little double-page spread. Yeah. um, Without a background. Without a background, you see Daredevil. Um, being here as well um and then we see we go over to kingpin kingpin is there and he's basically tidying things up he's looking at the crystal image this, i wonder yeah. if he went to europe to talk to the doctor maybe that's where the time yeah is. yeah maybe this took place a little bit earlier but yeah what happens here is is you know actually you know what jamie that makes sense because what happens here is kingpin brings in the doctor who's been taking care of mm-hmm. vanessa and says i had everything monitored and i saw that when the doctor rec- – or when Vanessa recognized Richards, you chose to give her more medicine to keep her more sedated in that sedated state. Mm-hmm. That was an in- incorrect thing to do. And he basically says, you know, like, you know, you're worthless. Then he kills him. He yeah. uses his his, his uh, cane gun and shoots him, which he's never used in, in Daredevil. Okay. You, you froze there where you, you said he's never used – has has, has um, Kingpin ever used his game his cane as a gun in Daredevil? He, he uses it in Spider Man. He uses it in Spider Man, but not in Daredevil. I think at I one point he, he mentioned it, um, but uh, I don't think he ever used it. Though. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he's just that's something that got dropped. So he so Kingpin kills the Doctor. So now yeah. that actually makes sense, Jamie, because that's probably why he went to Europe yeah. because he was going to get a new Doctor. Yeah. And try to fix Vanessa. Um, yeah. yeah. So we see when we bounce over to Mary Jane, who's bringing some shopping over to Peter, and he, uh, she discovers that Black Cat has stayed over, and uh, she's cooking up some breakfast, and you get a nice little. Um, she calls her Molly Joe, and instead of Mary Jane, just to they, they both hate each other. Um, yeah, he, she says, uh, "Oh, you're Molly Joe, right? We met the other day." 
I um, love how mad that she is that a black cat yeah. is there. And Peter's just sleeping like, uh, hello. Yeah. Well, you know, she said she needed a place to stay. And yeah, she says, my apartment blew up. And uh, <laughs> this is great. This, she says, my apartment blew up. And Mary Jane says, I'll give you taxi fare to a hotel. Um, <laughs> and then black cat says, breakfast, darling. And she says, no thanks, it's probably catnip. Uh, nice haircut. You give, do you use gardening shears or a sharp rock? <laughs> They're just going at each other, and and Peter's like, I got to get out of here, so he swings away. Um, then Jack Lantern comes in to talk, and uh, he basically fire uh, Kingpin fires Jack Lantern. He says, Hey, I did good work. I saved your son. I saved the ranger's life. I don't deserve this. And um, Kingpin says, I'm well aware of your record, Jack Lantern. You have, however, served your purpose. You've yet to demonstrate to me, satis- to my satisfaction, a level of prowner, of prowess consummate to a chief assassin position within my organization. And uh, as he leaves, he says, you'll regret it. And Kingpin says, I think not. <laughs> uh, next person comes in. He's basically going through and, and sorting out all the business. Um, and then um, we see, what's his face? What's his name? I've forgotten his name already. A lot. A, a, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Armando. Alfredo. Um, Alfredo. 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 So Alfredo. Yeah, Alfredo shows up and tells. Um, he tells Rose while uh, uh, Dean is hanging out. He tells yeah. Rose what happened, how he was dropped in the water by the hobgoblin. Yeah. And and Rose during all of this can kind of find out that things are starting to really fall apart for him. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going as as he had planned. Yeah. And while he's talking, we see the uh, the rose um, mask on the mannequin while they're talking. Yeah. And and then he also realizes that he, he yeah he realizes it's what it's, and that his father's now back in town and everything is falling apart. So he's really starting to second guess his his life choices now at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> then we cut to Canal Street at noon. Um, and someone says the fat boy's been real quiet makes me nervous when Kingpin's this quiet it usually means he's making some heavy moves and that person was Talk so we see Matt, Talk, Ben Ulrich and uh, Sam Wilson they're having a cup of coffee and they're talking about stuff Uh, some woman comes over and spills a drink over Ben Ulrich Um, old straights like Ben Ulrich could stand to have a drink spilled on him is what Talk says and um, Ben Ulrich says very funny Sergeant Talk but not true. I'm a very hip guy. <laughs> no. um, so See, that, that's okay for him to say that. Yeah. That sounds mm-hmm. cool coming out. Anything sounds cool coming exactly. out. Exactly. Matt senses something and pushes Sam down as a guy opens fire with a gun. Um, it all kicks off. The waitress was actually a distraction. Um, and she pulls out a gun. Everyone starts shooting. They smash out of uh, the, the window. And then Matt comes over and grabs something from a guy and yeah. then bounces that like a billy club and then Sam steps in and starts punching the guy and says you got you better explain yourself once you wake up you better explain why you're shooting at me and my friends because we don't like being shot at yeah we find out that the kingpin was behind it all and um he was trying to eliminate everybody that was involved with this this gang war and that includes the people yeah. that were i guess trying to stop it um and so, yeah, so that we find out it was unsuccessful. Yeah. Uh, but we find out that he still wants Murdoch um, and Yurk to be terminated. Yeah. He says, um, kill the agents the as agent. well. He says, take, yeah. take the agents out and use outside people. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a little moment where Ned Leeds and Lance Bannon bump into each other. 
Um, Once again, making you think that Lance is the Hobgoblin because there's photographs up on the wall of the Hobgoblin yeah, that are like crystal clear. Yeah, and he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, Ned says, I'm going to hit Jonah up for a European trip. I'm working on a very big story and biggest of my career. I'll need a photographer. Uh, you want to come and do it? And he says, why have you got all these photographs of Hobgoblin up? And, and Lance kind of shadily says, uh, uh, I'm, putting every, I'm putting together a photo morgue and I just found my Hobgoblin file. I'm sorting through it. And then he says, you've got to be careful if anyone ever suspected ellipses. So we, again, we keep going... Um, we keep thinking, what's going on? Which one of them is the actual hobgoblin? And then Ned left his notepad here. He said he's over and over to his old apartment to pick up some notes. Certainly don't want him coming back here. I'll catch Ned at his ex-wife's place. Um, then this is uh, <laughs> Kingpin says he calls in the arranger and he says, "I'm going to give you a list of names of people I want eliminated from my organization. Do not write this down." <laughs> Hollingsworth, Darby, Benton, Wiggins, Levy, Nostrand. He basically starts listing everybody that we've seen. I like how he prefaced it by saying, do not write this down. Yeah, because the arranger got out a notebook and was just about to start writing yeah. it down. But <laughs> um, if you forget, oh, crap, did he say to kill Lopez or not kill Lopez? Dang it, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lopez, you got to die. <laughs> and then uh, Lance goes over to give uh, the notebook to... Uh, Betty to give to Ned and sees Flash there and says at last it's my chance so again we're we're sort of setting up um, that he could be the Hobgoblin or Ned could be the Hobgoblin who knows who the Hobgoblin is at this stage and then we cut back to Kingpin and he's Jenkins, William Stone, Metas Neville, Thornton, Vandross. He is cleaning house. <laughs> no, you know, the, the moral of the story here is you do not want Kingpin to go on vacation because when no. he comes back, he's going to realize he's been doing things wrong yeah. and he needs new personnel. So he's going to spring Do not clean. let him leave. Um, Betty comes back from going out to the shops and finds Hobgoblin attacking Flash. Um, and... Uh, he pulls off his mask and looks back at Betty. She faints when she sees who he is, and he puts the mask yeah, back goes, on. Yeah, she you. But we, the readers, don't know who it is yet. No, not yes. yet. That will come up in a future issue. Um, mm-hmm. Then we see Kingpin is talking to Vanessa. She's uh, comatose in, in the bed, and he says, Sue, Vanessa, this will be over. You will be once again be free. Uh, Pete is over at Aunt May's having a quick snack, and he gets a phone call. It's Matt Mr. Murdoch. Matt Murdoch. I told you to never call me here. Goodbye. He hangs up. Yeah. And he says, you have a fallen out. The uh, check off the uh, Homer check off. Who's one of the boarders. Then we see Jack O'Lantern. Um, he's getting being ready. Attacked. He's being, being attacked. He's being attacked by Hobgoblin. He gets attacked by Hobgoblin and Hobgoblin says, you, you should have uh, fought Spider-Man when I said, um, you did, I'm attacking you for deserted media the other night. And uh, they start, they have their little fight. Um, and then Alfredo was in the was hiding behind some boxes yeah. or something, and he ends up shooting Hobgoblin, trying to at least, and ends up not working. Uh, he ends up missing out, and while yeah. he's while he misses, actually he goes yeah. and stands on top of Hobgoblin, is going to shoot him in the face. Yeah, that's when Jack O' Lantern comes from behind and smacks him in the back and knocks him over. Yeah, and he says he has a he has something on that's that's jamming. It's an inhibitor. Yeah, yeah, it's an inhibitor for for uh, Hobgoblin who has the the suit which gives him. His strength and powers and uh he drops it when jack and hits him and says what an idiot i dropped the inhibitor hobby will back to full power hobgoblin gets up blasts out his way out of the room and leaves 
And then um, Alfredo calls, says, almost had Hobgoblin, but Jack Lack and Jack Lack, Jack and Lantern ruined it. Now Hoblin, Hobgoblin will think the Rose was behind Alfredo's attack and will undoubtedly retaliate. This mess just keeps going. Look, Dino, Hobgoblin is... Look, Dino, Hobgoblin doesn't know about this loft. I've kept it a secret, preferring to operate from my midtown penthouse. Maybe we should split. And then uh, he gets a phone call, and it's from Mr. Varley, uh, who says, uh, this is... This is your father. You must come immediately. He thinks it's going to be Mr. Varley. It's the Varley line that only Varley calls on, but it's uh, Kingpin. Mm-hmm. says, come over. And uh, Mr. Varley was one of the names that Kingpin had, had said. We go back to Hell's Kitchen, and the gang are all sitting around waiting, and then Spider-Man comes in with a black cat, and uh, 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 Matt tries to talk to him. He's got very blonde hair in this. <laughs> I know. I noticed that, too. Very um, blonde. He says, no no games, no tricks. We're going after the kingpin. He's going to kill every one of his lieutenants tonight. It's a big house cleaning move. You don't want to nail the... If you want to nail the guy, well, this is your yeah, chance. Yeah, this is... Exactly. This is where we find out what's going down. And, and so Spider-Man and Black Cat are there. We've got um, Sam. We've got Matt. We've got the Torque. Um, Hammerhead. Hammerhead he gets a call, cool, yeah. Yeah, he gets notified of what's going on. Punisher finds there. out. He found, finds out from his sources. Mm-hmm. we got Kingpin going over to see Vanessa when Rose ends up showing up at Kingpin's door. Yeah. They have a confrontation. So this is the first time we see um, uh, Richard and Kingpin together. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's New Year's Eve. And, yeah, it is New Year's Eve, and they're and they're talking together, um, and uh, I guess ultimately. Hello, Joshua. He's in control. Yeah, I guess. Uh, this is it's kind of a cool thing. He says, uh, "Where where is it? This is this is why I keep thinking about one." That uh, he says, uh, "How long have you known?" Rose says to the Kingpin, he says that you, that you, the Rose, are actually Richard Fist, my son. That, what difference does it make? I called so that you may say goodbye to your mother forever. I know what you've done to her, father. I know you're keeping her like that. And now you've lowered yourself to threatening people with guns and shooting police officers. Don't run that holier-than-thou bit by me, father. You've done far worse. And tonight my plan is to do some good for this city and your mother. Vanessa had left me recently. See the Daredevil graphic novel. So this is after... This is, he's got her oh, back. Yeah. From, yeah. Mm-hmm. She had begun a new life somewhere in Europe. I, of course, kept her under surveillance, of course. I became aware of your plan to kill your mother. A retaliation f- for... I became aware of a plan to kill your mother in retaliation for some business of yours, no doubt. Irrelevant. I had your mother return to New York immediately while I personally attended to her would-be attackers. So that's oh, why I was okay. in Europe. I see. Okay, now that all, now that all makes sense. Yeah. So the, that's that's where we're at time-wise. Uh, yeah, King, and so the Kingpin's whole plan is he's bringing everybody together, and then he's letting the authorities know as well. So then that way, he's not actually going to kill these people. No, What's it's going to look like is, they're all doing it, so they all get arrested. And he Exactly. Can so he is gift-wrapping all of his lieutenants, all of his seconds-in-commands. He is gift-wrapping them to the police. It's almost like a deal he's making yeah. where it's like, okay, you— he says, yeah, it's it's like, stay out of my way. You can have all of these guys. So when all the heroes show up, Daredevil, um, Falcon, Spider-Man, Black Hat, they realize what's going on pretty quickly. Okay, yeah. I see how it is. 
guys were gift wrapped for us. We're not actually stopping the kingpin from killing them. There was no killing, in, 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 you know, ever really actually planned. It was all a hoax. And so they end up. I get they don't. I guess they look like heroes, like they're saving the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That was kind of the king. The kingpin is doing something for everybody. Yeah, he's he, giving every. He's he's he's, yeah, he's having a good cool, moment. Yeah, and what happens yeah. is he's getting Vanessa out to Europe is uh, to give her a new life where she's going to be safe. He's set up a whole mm-hmm. network of safety for her in Europe mm-hmm. where she can recover, where we don't see her again until much much later. And this was all a major distraction to happen, so everybody would be leaving him alone when yeah. he did it too. Um, so so there end up it ends up being successful. Um, you know, the, the cops round everybody up and then the issue ends with, um, well, this is, uh, this is Spider-Man says, I've got a theory, DD Kingpin cut some kind of deal. He comes back and gets the feds and his top lieutenant gives the feds, his top lieutenants, the gang war ends. Kingy gets to rebuild his empire. So at least for a while, the good guys win. King Kingy set us set up this party makes it look like he's going to shoot everybody, but all the people have blanks in their guns. We arrive and save the lieutenants. The cops bust them. Since we saved them from Kingpin, these dopes roll over and turn state's evidence. Ryan's schedule, here come the police. And he goes up and bursts into the Kingpin's office and says, Kingpin says, you know, Vanessa's safely en route to the airport. My subordinates are now being arrested. It is finished. Spider-Man kicks in the doors. and I love this. And the Kingpin, the first thing he says is, Happy New Year, Spider-Man. Yeah, Happy New Year, Spider-Man. Down the hall, there are a number of low-life gun-toting thugs for your entertainment. Please indulge yourself. And Spider-Man says, you've got it all figured out, don't you, Kingpin? You've covered all the angles. Everybody gets what they want. I just get used. Spider-Man, I've made several fortunes via the practice of using people like you. Idealists, optimists, trusting idiots who believe there is happiness to be had on the planet. Fools who believe in justice. I trade on the hopes and dreams of the righteous. And nobody has the guts to stand up to you. Nobody has what it takes to pull the plug on you. My death would serve no purpose other than to bloody the hands of such God-fearing men as yourself. You face an undefeatable foe, Spider-Man. Accept it as others have. And the other guys burst in at this point and Daredevil says, back off, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man says, don't worry, I'm not going to kill him. And they and and <laughs> talk says, uh, "Go ahead, I'll close my eyes." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Cool. Um, so Spider Man ends up smashing the desk, and he doesn't like being used. Very angry, this Peter Parker. Very angry. Yeah. Um, and he you know points his finger at Kingpin and says, "One day, Mister, you and me." And he ends up jetting out. Black Cat ends up following, and Sam walks away, and it all ends with Daredevil. Daredevil and Kingpin, and Daredevil basically says, "I'm I'm ashamed of what I've done. You you're mm-hmm. terrible. I'm terrible. We're all terrible people." Yeah, and he says, and, and, "And just he reiterates." If Kingpin says, "Look, like you know, I was able to get, um, you know, I was able to uh, get my wife's freedom and guarantee her safety, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the most important thing to me." And then, and then um, Daredevil's asking about Spider Man, like his involvement, and he's like, Kingpin goes, "Spider Man's a." I just love this. You know, it's like the boys are playing. I mean, yeah. Daredevil and Kingpin are playing. And um, Spider-Man is just a teenager, like, yeah. like the teenage kid who's, you know, <laughs> doesn't understand what, what the grownups are doing. It's yeah. He's a, he's a kid. So, He'll anyways, learn. Daredevil's, yeah. so Daredevil ends up swinging off um, and even says, sorry about your crystal Kingpin. It broke when Spider-Man broke the desk. Yeah. Um, that crystal's always take, breaking. <laughs> That crystal's been shattered more times than 
maybe you'll see a reflection of your own life. What an awful waste it's become. Um, and then, and then Kingpin opens up a, a desk drawer or a, or, you know, a filing a cabinet, pull, filing cabinet and pulls out a new, uh, a new crystal yeah. where he can look at his wife, Vanessa. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's that. That's the end of that. Yeah. Well, guys Woo. and everyone, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, yes. Just a, a long episode for a quick couple of issues. <laughs> uh, we'll get better at it. We'll figure out a more concise way. Yeah, we'll figure out a better way. We'll make sure that our, our, our connection is a little better so Joshua doesn't keep freezing. I wish I'd taken pictures of every moment that you've frozen, but then it wouldn't make sense. So is there a lot of time where you can't hear what I'm saying? A lot of time there was uh, frozen images of you. I, I tried but to cover but could you hear me while no, I was frozen? No, no, we couldn't. It just went boom, boom. Oh, okay. So, but we we got enough of you. Don't worry. Are you frozen now, or are you just looking at me? It's hard to I'm tell. Not, not <laughs> <frozen>. <laughs> oh, you are frozen. Okay, I could just okay. keep saying you're frozen and actually <laughs> turn your mic down. This could all become right, right, Jamie right, and Jamie right. does Daredevil pod. Um, Okay, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas or whichever holiday you choose to celebrate at this time of year. Yes, yes. Um, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all that stuff for sure. All that stuff. I hope everyone's staying warm too. Yeah, it's pretty chilly in in where we're at. There's snow. There's snow up on the hills. It's beautiful. Um, We will be covering some more Daredevils next time. Uh, 243 to 246. Um, I think so we, four issues, yeah. Yeah, I think we're introduced to a couple of new villains. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a Keith Giffen drawn issue somewhere in there as well, which is which will be fun. Yeah. Um, we've, we're throwing a quick Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man uh, issue 128, but um, but that's it for now. And then the the episode after that, we're probably going to go every two weeks just because we're mm-hmm. um, we're trying to schedule everything and christmas and all of that and and holidays Mm -hmm. and family time um but we have a nice little run of just daredevil issues after that so stick around um (laughs) well hey merry christmas to you and your family jamie thank you joshua and to you and yours i hope everything goes swimmingly i hope you don't freeze like this during any kind of family get together it will be Kind of weird if mid-conversation you just stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. We do. Um, And uh, we'll speak to you next in the new year. Um, So Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. New year. More Daredevil. See you in 2020. (laughs) All right. I'm Joshua. I'm Jamie. And And we we just just did did Daredevil. Daredevil.